Geek Top 5 Quarantine Edition. Yay! It was time now. There was was all the time I needed. Folks, we are at a very exciting time. It has been about 12 years, 12 years, good heavens, since Marvel got around to making their own movies. And finally, finally, they have control of all their stuff back. Now, yes, pandemic has slowed this down a little, but it means there's exciting things coming up in the future. Yes, we are all very excited to see the Black Widow prequel, but we all know what we're really looking forward to. Marvel is going to be making an X-Men movie. Now... This task cannot just be left in the random hands of some executive producer who brought in a lot of money for the studio by making Jocks and Cars 12 or whatever. Creating this movie is a task that is going to require wisdom and experience and precision and, dare I say, love. So we here at Geek Top 5, like the great professor himself, has used our powers to search the globe to find the world's most powerful mutant enthusiasts. And they join us here in the studio today for the X-Men Fantasy Draft. Woo! Woo! Yeah! (laughs) What an intro! No pressure at all! (laughs) So, these mutant enthusiasts that we have with us, let's start with with Mr. Wei Ting, who is one of the hosts over at the Post Wrestling Podcast. What can you tell us about yourself, Way? Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, it's a real pleasure to, to jump on this show, and it's a real pleasure to be speaking to a lot of my, my fellow classmates who I haven't uh, really spoken to, I would say. Uh, maybe a not, you know, occasional run-ins, but not really at consistent length for well over 10 years. So this is uh, quite the treat. But uh, yes, as you said, Graham, I host a pro wrestling podcast along with another classmate of ours. His name is John Pollock, and you can find us at postwrestling.com. We basically cover wrestling news, uh, wrestling reviews, uh, pretty much on a daily basis at this point. So yeah, postwrestling.com. Wow. Uh, Next up, Alejandro Alcoba, who is uh, one of the showrunners from the Degrassi series. What else have you done? Not one of the showrunners. I was just one of the staff writers on there. No, no. Um, But uh, I did work on it for a couple of years, and that was a good time. Um, other TV shows that I've written for, uh, a couple of shows in the kids space, like a show called The Next Step, another one called Endlings, and then some older shows I, uh, wrote on a sci-fi show on Netflix called Another Life, and on another one that's on Hulu, which is more of a YA dystopia show called Utopia Falls. Very cool. And uh, last but certainly not least, we have Mr. Jim Zub, the only person here who has actually contributed to the X-Men mythos <laughs> and will thus be the one to beat. Oh, my gosh. What? <laughs> Lots of pressure there. What else can you tell us about yourself, Jim? Uh, so I'm a, an artist and an instructor, but I'm, I'm probably best known as a comic book writer. I've been doing work for Marvel since uh, 2014. I haven't written a lot of X-Men, but I do love the series a lot. Uh, Probably the last X-Men related thing I did was part of the Hunt for Wolverine uh, sort of event. And I did Mystery and Madripoor, which was a lot of fun. At Marvel, I've written um, The Avengers, uh, Black Panther and the Agents of Wakanda. And I'm currently writing Conan the Barbarian. Very cool. 
Okay, so that's that's the team here. Uh, one of the things that uh, Jesse didn't mention in the intro about the skills that are going to be required to put this team together is also luck. <laughs> We're going to need some long shot powers here because it's a draft. So first come, first serves for a lot of these characters. So we have to determine turn order. How will we do that, Jesse? Well, the only way you can. The best way we have found out to do that over five or 6,000 years of civilization is to roll for initiative with a D20. Now, I, I uh, approve this. <laughs> now, if you're like me, you have almost a dozen D20s within arm's reach. But in case you don't, or if you're playing along from home, uh, feel free to pop over to a web browser, head into Google, and just type roll a D20, and let us know what number you get. And the highest number will go first, and we will set up the order that way. Uh, same way if you're playing at home, and also just by the way, if you're following along or playing this just with your friends, uh, the the draft sheet we're using, our pool, will be available on our website, uh, geektop5.com or facebook.com slash geektop5. Even if you're not playing, feel free to call it up so you can follow along. Uh, this is going to be fun, and it's going to be complicated to track. So, enough vamping. I will roll. <laughs> I got that's a good time. I got a natural twenty. What? I disbelieve. <laughs> I need a photo. I need screens. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, for the, those of you following the show will remember that I rolled a one the last time we did this, so I consider that my karmic due. Amazing. I got eight. I got a fifteen. I got a ten. I got a twelve. Oh, okay, man. I'm going. This is last time I went first, and Jesse went last. This is very weird. <laughs> this was not rigged. <laughs> that's that's karma. That's that long shot stuff. That domino stuff. It uh, sort of Scarlet Witch stuff, I guess. So those are your first Sorry, wait, picks, just like that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just getting the turn order set up on the board. While he's doing that, uh, for those of you just joining us, the way this is going to work, it's a snake draft. So we're going to go from the top of the list down to the bottom and then back up to the top. Each person has a chance to pick one character from our pool to fill out their ideal team for their ideal X-Men MCU movie. We've got a variety of categories set up. Uh, chosen by local X-Men expert, Graham Beckstead. Those categories are leader, telepath, flyer teleporter, brick, brain, kid, wild card. Our MCU cameo, because, listen, it's being made by, you know, the, the, the mouse is on top of this, so they're going to roll that in somehow. Antagonist, henchman, and just for a little bit of extra fun, base. So we're going to go back and forth and fill all those out and try to get what each person thinks is the ideal for that movie that they want, given what they have available. And then at the end, after taking a bit of a, a bit of a breath, we will see if we can figure out exactly how all that comes together and make a bit of a pitch out of it. So is, are we going across the columns or can anyone pick for any category? You can pick anyone for any category. If, if you think the most important thing is to get the right base, you can start there. I don't, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> a couple other things. You you can put people in roles that they you wouldn't normally expect them to be in, but you might have to justify it a little bit. Like if you want to have X-23 as the leader of the team, that's doable, but 
just give us a good reason for it. And the other thing, because we try to be an inclusive, open, non-gatekeeping sort of podcast, if you could give a little uh, rundown of who the character is after you pick them. Sure. Or what the base is, or whatever. Right. All right. So, Jesse's at the top. I'm at the top. If everyone ready? Mm-hmm. Then let's get this rolling. I will admit, I feel like it would be a dick move to take Professor X right off the top. <laughs> I'm tempted, but I'm going to avoid it. And in doing so, I think I'm going to maybe show my hand a little bit at what I'm doing, because I'm going to be doing something a little bit different. For my first pick, I'm going to pick Colossus. Mm. And I'm going to take Colossus, and I'm thinking... Maybe not exactly, but I'm definitely keeping in mind the Colossus from the Deadpool movies. And I'm going to drop Colossus into my leader slot. Whoa. Wow. Man. We'll get in more, like, as I get more things together and see what I can build, I'll explain why. But yeah, this isn't going to be your, this isn't going to be terribly traditional. It's not going to be, you know, Patrick Stewart versus Ian McKellen right off the top. I want to do something a little bit different. All right, so what can you tell us about Colossus? What are his powers? Yeah. What's some of his background? Colossus is almost, like, it's almost too simple. Like, he's he's big Russian dude, super buff, and when he you know, goes into, like, basically his morphin' time, he just generates his cool metal skin, and now he's, like, made of metal, and he's a metal guy. And he punches stuff super hard. But there's more to the character than that, of course. And this gets down to the heart of what I think is why everyone loves X-Men so much, which makes it so interesting. It's not DC, where all it is is just that they have superpowers. He's an interesting guy. And the Colossus that I'm looking at... Yeah, okay, throwing a little shade, sorry. (laughs) But uh, the Colossus I'm looking at, like the Colossus from those Deadpool movies, is maybe not exactly that, but in those movies he's displayed, he's presented sort of as the goody two-shoes, and they they play him off with Negasonic Teenage Warhead as his protege, who in a way is a much more traditional X-Men character, where she's a rebellious teenager who doesn't know where she fits in in the world, who doesn't know what her place is, but he's always there to give, like, the way too over-the-top, sort of fourth-grade like, VHS tape advice. You know, I think it's early in the first Deadpool movie where it's always, you know, always have breakfast. That's the most important meal of the day. Like at the, it's a little overdone for that movie, but he's a good guy with a good heart. And he's trying, like, always trying to do the right thing. It's almost an Optimus Prime level of, I don't expect him to be very conflicted about those, these sorts of things. Uh, which made him great to pair off against Deadpool, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that's the sort of thing I'm looking for in my leader slot. He's going to have those qualities, but he's also, I mean, he's not a kid, but, you know, he's not a senior level either. He's still kind of young. He's still going to be wet behind the ears and a little untested. And that, I think, is going to open up some interesting storytelling opportunities for me. So, Colossus is my leader for first pick. All right. <clears throat> so, with your first pick, you, like, torpedoed my whole plan. Amazing. So. <laughs> that's, that's the way these things are supposed to work. It's good. We're off to a roaring start. That's great. So I'm going to take my leader as well. I, you know, I feel like we're going to get all these contentious, popular, you know, first run kind of characters are, we're all going to be fighting over. Uh, Storm is my leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, Solid choice. Absolute classic. Uh, for those of you who don't know Storm, she is Aurora Monroe. She's a uh, woman who has the mutant power to control weather. And she was um, in in Africa, she was worshipped as a goddess, but then she was recruited by Professor X, brought to the um, 
you know, left that role behind, but would eventually become team leader of the X-Men and had one of the most kind of, I'd say, uh, one of the strongest runs as leader brought a lot of wisdom and strength to that role. And I feel like she would be uh, just a wonderful character to, to lead up the team. And uh, we could do some really cool stuff with her there. And there was an arc like that, right? Am I am I remembering this correctly? That she sort of ousted Cyclops as leader of the X Men for a while. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think that's in like issue one ninety eight, <laughs> maybe two oh one. It's right around that period. Uh, it's pretty amazing stuff. They end up doing a scrap, and she doesn't even have her powers at that point. She's lost her powers because she got hit with this um, weapon that Forge created that that destroys mutant powers. And she still bests Cyclops, which is uh, extra embarrassing for him. Good stuff. Way to go, Forge. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go, Cyclops. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Let's not take it. It's kind of his fault. <laughs> okay, Alejandro, you're up. Um, all right. Uh, I'm going to put a little bit of a character who I think would normally fall into the category of kid in the leader position. Oh. Um I'm going to pick Jubilee. Nice. What? Um, And I feel like Jubilee is kind of the X-Men we need for the year 2020 moving forward for when they actually make an X-Men character. Uh, Most of my memories about who Jubilee is definitely comes from the 90s cartoon, which I grew up watching uh, and loved. She was kind of that spark plug of a new kid who was on the X-Men team, uh, pun intended with spark plug because her powers are very much like that, sparky. Um, and uh, I like her in the leader because I've kind of got something in the back of my mind for what I want to do for this story that we'll talk more about later. So I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, I, I don't know if she still is, but very recently in the comics, she was a vampire. <laughs> She's not, really not aware that is that is not the road I was going to go down. Uh, thank you for clearing that. It sounds that like out. it kind of sucks, right? Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Please leave. Yeah, not pales <laughs> in comparison to the actual character. Yeah, is that another uh, pun? Really staking this joke out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Sorry. Sorry. I think at one point she was also the leader of Gen X, so there is some uh, some precedent some pressure. Totally. All right. Thank you. Uh, Way, what, what do you got yeah, for Yeah, okay. So, I mean, um, just looking at the board here, there's still plenty of people to choose from, but I think I'm going to go with my leader at this point as well, and I'm going to pick Cyclops. Um, mm-hmm. You know, sort of the obvious choice, but I think one that might be suitable for, like, an MCU reboot because he really, in my opinion, was never given a fair shake in any of the X-Men films. So there's still plenty of material, I think, to dissect from and really to, you know, provide, like, a proper, good, you know, full-on Scott Summers representation. Uh, as far as, you know, powers, of course, mutant energy blasts uh, through his eyeballs. And really, that kind of is it. Uh, but it's really his, like, incredible sense of leadership that I think is 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 his biggest trait. And his twisted family life. That's that right. Well. Yes. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Uh, I uh, So because I'm the bottom of the draft, I get two picks in a row. Mm-hmm. Kind of a lot of pressure because then it's going to be like eight turns before it's back to me. But uh, so I got to make some good ones here. I don't really have to worry about the leadership role anymore because I'm the only one left who needs a leader. So 
I am gonna go with Emma Frost, the White Queen, as the antagonist. Ooh. Oh, the antagonist, nice. And uh, I think you might see where I'm going here with my next pick. I'm gonna go with uh, Kitty Pride, Shadow Cat, yeah. as the kid. Yeah. yeah. So you're doing that classic okay. kind of. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Here, fill me in a little so, bit. What's the relationship between these two? So the the White Queen, just to give you some background on the powers, originally she was uh, based in uh, kind of dominatrix gear, and she is a member of the Hellfire Club, and she's got psychic powers, and she was very manipulative, and eventually sort of became a good guy at one point during the X-Men. She's always been on uh, sort of waffling back and forth between those two sides of her nature. She was always wanted to be a teacher, but she's also got this dark background behind her, this this evil past, and she kind of flip-flops over time. She also ended up getting a somewhat controversial secondary mutation where her skin becomes diamond hard. So she could also be a brick, but she's the bad guy now. So she's <laughs> she's on one side. Shadowcat is the classic new X-Men character. She's she's a new recruit and in her original story actually it's she's sort of torn between joining the White Queen school and the Xavier school. Uh she is uh she's she her powers are that she can phase through matter. She can pass through things and cause them to explode. She was in the movie she was played by Ellen Page. Right. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was a pretty small role sadly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think in X Men Three, she it was well X Men Three is a bit of a mess, but it was a big ish role there. And then she, for whatever reason, was facilitating Wolverine's time travel in Days of Future Past, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she um, no, you're right. Yeah, because she has to like keep her hands on his brain or whatever. Uh, you know, I'm trying. Yeah. Can we? Is right. It, is, it, is it also not to talk forever about? Uh, is Shadow Pride the same as? Sorry, is Shadowcat the same as Kitty Pride? Am I? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. For some reason, my brain was like, "Wait, no." Am I talking about two different characters? The Astonishing X Men run, where she mm. returns to the school. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. Those how, I, I don't know how well that one lives uh, uh, in your guys' minds, but I certainly love the ending where she—I don't know if it's—if this spoils something you're planning, Graham, but like where she phases a <laughs> planet-sized bullet yeah, through it's the totally Earth. Bonkers. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so good. <laughs> I also in that storyline, I, I really love uh, when Wolverine gets regressed to, to being a, like a 19th century little boy, and he's in this hairy man body. That was very strange. <laughs> 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 really shadow. <laughs> okay, so that's it for for me. I'll uh, catch you in half an hour when. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What, what have you got for us, Wayne? Well, okay, so, I mean, again, the board is still wide open right now, and I think I'm really primarily, like, looking at this at, from a box office pers- perspective. <laughs> thinking how many people can get in here, how, how can exactly break those records. And I've got to bring back Wolverine. Uh, yeah. Not Hugh Jackman, uh. unfortunately, I don't think so. But I think people, when they're paying money to see an X-Men film, they're going to expect to see who is going to take that mantle. And uh, along with Logan, think about the crossover potential here, right? So um, mm-hmm. I think I gotta bring him onto my team, and especially having that duality with him and Cyclops battling for that. Uh, well, some the love, love affection of somebody. I'll see if I, you know uh, that chip will still be on the board a little bit later on. 
So who, what role is he going to take? Ooh, okay. So this was the thing. I mean, I kind of think of him more as the brick of my team. Um, you know, he can also be slotted, I suppose, in the wild card. Uh, beyond that, I mean, he ha- he was also a leader, but I don't really want to use him as that in my in my particular iteration. So I think I'm going to put him in the brick role. You know, he really is like in many ways the muscle and and the, you know, yeah. the guy who who's there to like you know clean up. So I'm going to put put him there. Nice. Good pick. Mm-hmm. Do you want to? I mean, I'm sure everyone knows uh, Wolverine, but do you want to give a little background on him just in case? Absolutely. I mean, adamantium skeleton. Um, you know, feral uh, sense, uh, berserker sense. Um, somebody who. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. You know, beyond that, uh, healing powers, of course, regenerative, very fast healing powers, and just uh, I don't know, just like an overall badass. Canadian. Canadian. That's his biggest power. Right? That's his biggest power. Right? <laughs> Very polite. Yeah. <laughs> Very polite, bub. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Okay, Alejandro, you're up. Uh, all right. Um, for my next one, uh, I am going to pick as my telepath the Stepford Cuckoos. Ooh. Nice. Interesting choice. I just think so. I was like reading a little bit on this character because I sort of had a vague recollection of them from the Grant Morrison run. I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that the one that Frank Whiteley drew? That one. Yep. Um, and was uh, that one? Uh, I always thought it was an interesting character. The idea of like the the, the multiple linked minds, but at the same time they all try to have their own personalities um, and that push and pull with those characters. Um, for people who don't know, the powers are, are obviously telepathic powers. Um, but it seems like as I was reading about it is that there was a lot of room to like supercharge that shit, um, which got kind of cool. Now, to be fair, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, like certainly folks who know X-Men mostly from the movies are not going to have any idea what the heck you're talking about. Right. Uh, definitely worth going into who these characters are. Stepford Cuckoos is a plural character. Tell us a little more about that. Tell us about more who they are and what's going on there. Yeah, so what I learned today in my uh, Wikipedia reading about <laughs> them is that they are actually the product of, I guess, like somebody stole the eggs from uh, Emma Frost and then cloned them thousands of times. And then five of those baby clones became the Stepford Cuckoos. And so they're sort of her children. And they uh, basically have these very powerful uh, psychic powers. Um, And depending on the storyline of theirs that you're reading, there are times where one sister is manipulating the other one and then something goes wrong and that sister dies. So they refer to themselves. Some people refer to them as the Stepford Cuckoos, but other people refer to them, they refer to themselves as the five in one. And so then there's that interesting element of them becoming the four in one and at another time becoming the three in one. And then at a different point in time, becoming the 1000 and one. And I just thought that, yeah, that was cool. I don't know if that really did what you asked me to do, Jesse. <laughs> no, no, I think I think you got it. Yeah. All right, sweet. Cool. Yeah, they are uh yeah, they're an interesting group and and that uh description there is a real reminder of how weird the X-Men can get. Oh yeah, whenever you try so, and describe any comic book plotline and just coldly explain it in basic terms, <laughs> you're like, "Oh god, this is so weird." <laughs> 
Okay, uh, Jim, you're up. Yes. Um, I'm. I'm sorry, Way. I got to. Uh, I got to move in. Uh, Go I'm going to take uh, Jean Grey as my telepath. So. Oh yeah. She is the Whew. classic for a reason. I think she's got. Although Cyclops is not there and Wolverine's not there, so you don't have the romantic tension. I still feel like she's got a lot to offer to the team. And her, uh, you know, although she's not the leader, her and Storm have got a really important, you know, kind of bond and the way that they're going to kind of define this team and their vision for for the future. And I think we're ready to explore the romance between Storm and Jean Grey. Clearly, that is uh, <laughs> totally possible. Um, so, yeah, Jean Grey is possibly the most powerful psychic in the Marvel Universe. Uh, she's, um, you know, one of, of, uh, Professor Xavier's uh, original students. And, uh, although she's gone through a variety of identities, she's known, you know, as the Phoenix or Marvel girl or things like that, uh, on the whole, you know, she is just this real bedrock in terms of the vision of, of the X-Men and what they do and what they're all about. And, um, yeah, she has died and been resurrected and, you know, connected all the minds on earth and done all sorts of crazy cool stuff that, um, I think we can play with. So that's that. Sounds good to me. Yeah. yeah. My, one of my concerns when I was thinking about whether I should take her or not, is it feels like as soon as you have Jean gray there, there's a ticking clock for when Phoenix is going to be part of the story. I don't, I don't, have to be. Think, I don't think that's the case. Like I know that that's probably her most, famous storyline but i think one of the well we're going to talk more about this as we go but the mcu version has to step out from beneath the shadows of those other movies and so you need to take some parts that work and some parts that you know didn't but one of the ways i think you could get away from that is to not engage the phoenix force stuff uh it's just not a required element in order to make the x-men tick and it takes too much kind of air out of the room for everyone else in their storylines. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. I think if anything, like all the Marvel movies, what they've been really good at is focusing on one or two characters at a time. Um, and even the team movies that they have, like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, it's really the Peter Quill hour. Right, right. Um, and so to like try to service Jean Grey plus a bunch of other people plus the the Phoenix is like yeah it's a lot it's a TV show it's not really a movie. Yeah, that works. Uh, that works for me. All right, Jesse, you got two picks now. Yeah. Oof. Okay. This is where it starts to get like there are picks I really think I need if I want to tell the story I want to tell. But there's also some connections I want to make. Oh boy, this draft stuff is is stressful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what I all right? What I'm gonna do? I'm gonna branch away from some of the classic X-Men characters again. Uh, for my brick, I'm gonna take Richter. Whoa, which is um, a relatively new character. Yeah. Um, so, for, so, uh, Richter so the Julio Richter. Esteban Richter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's like way I'm sort of thinking in terms of box office. And I mean, th- there is a more complicated character origin, but Richter has earthquake powers, basically. <laughs> um, like he's, he's an earthbender and that's awesome. And that's going to look great on screen. I guess if you're getting into it, like the I- I'm double checking the Marvel wiki here and they're calling it geokinesis, <laughs> um, which Love fine, th- that's okay. 
but yeah, he's going to do that cool stuff. Like, you know, the, the, the conceit where you punch the ground and then like the, the crack in the earth goes towards other people and like lifting big stalagmites out. I think that's great. Um, also, I, I, I mean, I mean I'll, I'll, we'll get into that, but I, I like the fact that he's got a weird origin. It's not even a weird origin, but just an origin that people aren't entirely familiar with. I mean, I feel like everyone pretty much gets Wolverine. Like, we sort of get it. Everyone gets Cyclops because there isn't even that much to it. But having like a like having a new relative character, at least probably new to the silver screen, I really like the idea. And again, Earthquake Powers. Um, now, that being said, the second reason I picked him has to do with my, my second pick is for my flyer teleporter, I'm going to pick Shatterstar. What? Oh, oh God. Now, right. sh- now, Shatterstar, I, I don't like him very much except for one thing. Shatterstar is one of those characters who just, like, has generic, like, oh, well, he has super senses, and he's really fast and really strong, and it's not that that interesting. But what I like is that his teleportation is, it's, I mean, how do they, I should look it up to see how they phrase it, but it's basically, he can teleport to things that he cares about. And what I'm doing here, I'm building a team, especially like this is going to be a story about young people. And if you're dealing with young people, you have to have a love story. And Shatterstar (laughs) and Richter are in a relationship in the comic Mm -hmm. books. And I really, it's such a cliche. They, They do it all over the place. They even did it in Breath of the Wild, for Pete's sake. But I like the idea that like his power, like in this case, like his teleporting is only really going to work like when his emotions are okay. Like they, yeah, here we go. The way they phrase it is that it's his 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 teleporting is empathically driven. He creates anchors that he can that he can teleport to or use. And one of those anchors is Richter because they're uh, in a such a good idea. That's like, good. That's, <laughs> it's super I think, I think that's really cool. And I mean, it it seems like you can sort of see the writing on the wall. They're going to have a falling out at some point, and his teleporting isn't going to work until they resolve what's going on between the two of them. That's but, good stuff. Uh, is, is the falling out going to be fueled by Colossus and the fact that they're both also attracted to Colossus? <laughs> I mean, it could go in that direction. Uh, no, it's not exactly what I have in mind, but you can see it there. You know, it's um, X-Men. We do need a love triangle. That's true. That's true. I'm going to have to see how to build that. Uh, but no, the like, this creates like, like it, this creates a lot of cool writing opportunities because the character's success, like as a character, as an arc, mirrors the success of how they're using their powers, um, and that's suggested right there. And I mean, I, I mean, I'm not dancing around it. We haven't called it out specifically, but let's call it what it is. It's I, I, it's it's a gay relationship in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe taking yep. center stage. Um, it's time. It's important, and let's do it. Ah, that's great. Really good stuff. Excellent. I'd watch your movie. Awesome. <laughs> we haven't heard what everyone else is. You know, <laughs> I might have more than one movie. I have a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, we're all watching a lot of movies lately. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jim, back around to you. All right. So, oh man, um, I'm going to take Rogue as my brick. Mm. Oh, oh, yes. cool. Yeah. So Rogue is uh, a character who can absorb other uh, heroes' powers, but one of the ways I would um, 
kind of make things work is I would have her actually steal a sliver of Captain Marvel's powers. And uh, all right, assuming that somebody else doesn't get that cameo first. Well, I'm you know this is the thing is it it doesn't necessarily even have to happen in the in the movie. This could be some sort of secret that she's carrying around until the sequel, and then we could even show you know like a bumper or something like that that she's facing off against someone. We'll see. We'll see. But, uh, I think Rogue is a, a wonderful character and tons of potential. And the conflict that she has inside, the, you know, the villainous sort of beginning she has and then struggling, her powers make her particularly uh, dangerous. And, and uh, you know, there's a reason why she showed up in the first X-Men movie. But I would cue closer to the comic book um, version of her rather than her as a kid. So, yeah, yeah I think she's sharp stuff. Nice. Excellent. Okay, back to you, Alejandro. Right on. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pick a villain. Uh, I'm going to pick Arcade. Nice. He was, I was really debating. (laughs) I was going to say, I think you just killed Grim. (laughs) Well, I've already got my antagonist, but man, I I have a real soft spot for Arcade. He's great. Yeah. Uh, Arcade, I think, is a ton of fun. I think that he's got that game show wacky vibe that you can really make a movie out of and an antagonist out of. And and it's a great thing for like the first movie because it's a relatively simple villain and it's a great way to introduce everyone's powers. Ah, yeah, exactly. So give us some background on him. Like, what's what's his deal? So. Basically, what I know about him uh, is that he is sort of like one of those scary-faced white dudes who, uh, in my mind, he's like super fucking rich, but I'm not sure if that's actually a part of the canon. And basically, he has these elaborate death traps for the heroes he's fighting. And they're called typically called Murder World, but it's variably like an amusement park that they get trapped in and killed in, or it could be some sort of stage that they're put on that they can't get out of that, again, kills them. Kind of like, in my mind, he's the villain who employs Rube Goldberg machines to kill heroes. Yeah. I like that Ah. description a lot. That is really good. (laughs) That is a fine description. He, he, I find he's a character that doesn't work as well these days where everything has to be explained. And, and I think once they had to explain why he was still getting work, even though he never seemed to actually successfully kill anyone, it took some of the oomph out of him. Just just let him keep killing people or trying to kill them. I, ah. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you're bringing him back. Rehabilitate him. <laughs> I'm very excited. I'm Sorry. just going to do uh, a whole wait. issue where it's just him successfully killing people. Just to, to bring them, bring the menace back. There you go. I'll buy twenty copies. There Reboot it again. Yep. Okay. Right. Uh, my pick. I, I'm going to go with my brain, and I'm going to pick Forge. Uh, he's somebody who's yet to make Ooh. an appearance uh, in the cinematic universe of, of uh, either of any X Men film, and I think uh, really untapped potential. I feel like he's mainly known for uh, you know his role in X Force, but you know you can at this point really pivot every anybody into any sort of team. And I think he would make a great replacement in the MCU for a Tony Stark. You know, somebody who uh, his powers are basically his ability to invent things. And uh, without Tony Stark on the board, I think 
uh, this guy, along with Shuri, of course, but, you know, Forge on the X-Men side of things, I think would make a wonderful Q type of person on that team. So, um, yeah, uh, I'm going to go with him. He's, that's a good, that's a good pick. He's also, in the comic, he's so complicated. Like, every few years, there's some story of him that's really, at best, morally gray, and, and he's he's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Doesn't he have... Is there some shamanism with him as well? Yep. Some magic yeah, powers? He's too? got a magic background as well. They could tie in all sorts of cool stuff. Hmm. So the way the power... Just for clarity's sake... I'm not that familiar with the character, but so the power is... Essentially, just that he 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 understands things. Like, is he the guy from the first season of Heroes? No, he can he can actually he gets brilliant uh, concepts and is able to make complex things. So he is like Tony Stark, but it is a power that he has—a mutant power in order to invent. So if he has an idea for a particular machine or an object or whatever, he can just start working on it, and all the pieces will kind of come together. So. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. So 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 somehow with him, it's defined as a mutant power. Sure. But for a regular human being, they would just be really smart. Yes. Welcome okay. to but superhero he, comics. In the, in the like, I think in the original origin, he was badly injured in Vietnam, and he he built himself a new leg and new hand or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all kinds of. Cool I mean, you can't just do that on the battlefield if you're just anyone. It's it's a real battle. Yeah. Maybe Stark needed him. help to build that first chunk of armor. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> okay, so now it's back to me, and um, because he's still on the board, and because of the direction my thing is going here, that didn't come out right. I- I'm going to take Professor X as my telepath. I've heard of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that guy. <laughs> the bald guy, right? I, gu- I guess he's an okay choice. Seeing as how we're, we're going to have... Uh, I seem to be building towards a rival school situation here. Uh, we got to have the the head of the school, Professor Charles Xavier, mm-hmm. the where the X and X Men comes from, unless you believe the whole extra power nonsense. But he is uh, a, a huge telepath in the Marvel universe. Only, I guess, defeated by Jean Grey or bested by Jean Grey. He built Cerebro to enhance his powers. He's also a teacher and a a diplomat and has been to space and done everything. Sometimes he can walk. Sometimes he's in a wheelchair. Comic books, but he's he's great. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I can walk. I just like it's just random stuff he's bringing. <laughs> now, are you thinking like a younger McAvoy style Xavier, or are you going with an uh, older? You know, he's almost Picard Xavier. I think somewhere almost Picard because. You know, we need to get back to that, and I don't necessarily. I don't need him to be young. I want it to be a, a learned man, a man who's seen some stuff. He's not figuring things out. This guy has may not... seen some stuff. Yeah. Some... <laughs> oh yeah, he was in that war that they invented. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, I am a little worried. It's too early for me to pull this move, but I really don't want to lose her. I'm going to go with my MCU cameo and take Scarlet Witch. Nice. Oh, That's a good pick. Interesting. Uh, I think she is kind of an ideal way to, to to bridge the new X-Men stuff with the MCU, have her revealed to be a mutant, have, have whatever happened to her uh, the, that Hydra did to her, have that just be like them activating her mutant power, retcon that a bit. Uh, and, 
Sorry. <laughs> <And> have... <laughs> pretty good, pretty good. I've got a, a big bias for uh, Wanda. I've written her multiple times, and she's one of my favorite characters in the Marvel Universe. Uh, she's great. So good, good. There pick. we go. Now I definitely sold at least one ticket. That's right. <laughs> and I guess this is going to have to be pre WandaVision, the TV show, since that isn't out yet. But hopefully it won't contradict what I'm planning. Well, when they check in with you, I'm sure they'll make adjustments. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to pick for my telepath on my team, um, Psylocke. And I'm going to go with Psylocke probably pre, like, weird. Um, Asian body uh, conversion. Um, I I approve this for some strange yes. reason. You know, um, I I definitely think it's a bit weird to simply introduce somebody with a, a such a weird twisted backstory. That's a story I definitely want to explore in the future. Um, but to just have somebody appear like the mind of a British lady in the body of an Asian person. What a strange um, twisted story! How would you ever get out of that? I have no, yeah, exactly. You know, maybe the Infinity Stone somehow. Right. But, you know, I think we're, we're you know, I'm bringing in Betsy Braddock essentially. And I think I, I'd like to tie her no. into, you know, uh, the Captain Britain origin, uh, stuff to do with, uh, I'm sure you can put in Piggy Carter and Shield somehow along with that whole thing and really uh, combine it all in that way. But, you know, to have her eventually kind of like, just show up as sort of like the the team's te- telepath, uh, you know. Using honestly, her te- telepathic like powers are are a bit of a confusion to me. Like I know she can do a lot of the stuff that some of the other telepaths can do, but along with that, she can also turn it into a blade, and then a whole lot of other things. You know, maybe Jim or anybody else, you feel free to step in and, and like kind of fill me in on what else you can do telepath. I mean, Jim, Jim. <laughs> Is uniquely qualified for this character. So um, I actually undid decades of continuity and not undid. I mean, it still happened. <laughs> but uh, she, I put her back in her original uh, form as, as the British Betsy Braddock from instead of that Asian uh, assassin body that she was in. So that was in Mystery of Madripoor. That was sort of our big surprise twist in that miniseries. Um, so a Psylocke's a, a character I really, really like. I think she's very cool. Um, yeah, she is. A, she's sort of weaponized her psychic powers a little bit more. Depending on which era you were in, she um, was more of the telepath and Jean was more of the telekinetic. It just sort of varied depending on the team dynamic that they were using and, and making things up. But yeah, Psylocke is definitely a powerful psychic. She's got all sorts of awesome abilities. And she's got a, you know, the, the the British background. I think you've got the right kind of idea to bring maybe whether Captain Britain shows up in this film or not, you have tethers to other characters that you could use later on in, in effective ways. Did cool. you have her originally? Were you going to pick her? I wasn't actually. So it's no. um, because I've got Jean on the team. She was like, if I didn't get Jean, I probably would have picked her. So, yeah. Excellent. All right, Alejandro. Right on. Um, for my flyer teleporter, I'm going to pick Blink. Oh, nice. That's a good pick. A very good pick. So Blink is a character who I think has always had one of the coolest designs. She's kind of got like this light fuchsia skin and purple hair and I guess like pointy elf ears and shit like that. Um but always sort of had uh, that, I don't know, look that 
popped. Uh, her powers are basically she can make portals um, and can use them to step from one place to another. Um, and then I guess she also at some point got the ability to use her portal power to make special energy knives. Um, so she also has knives that are glowing and, and pink and whatever. Um, <laughs> An important detail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's she's cool. She had a very brief lifespan, I think, during that whole phalanx thing, and then they brought her back for Age of Apocalypse, and right. she really killed it there, and then became the leader of the Exiles, and I loved the original Exiles series with uh, Judd Winnick and, and all the people, all the artists on it. Ah, good pick. It and if I'm not pick. mistaken, she's one of the characters on that TV show that was vaguely mutant that has been on the air for the past couple of years, which I can't even think the name of. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> it's it like sounds cool. The Gifted. The Gifted is the name of the show. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about There's so many comic book shows, I can't keep up with them anymore. I Fair. feel like a bad geek. I think uh, yeah. it is actually no longer on the air. I have just realized from Googling. So there you go. We all <laughs> contributed to that. Because <laughs> you didn't I'm remember. Sorry. Now we all <laughs> listen. If it's not cool enough to make Geek Top Five's attention, it's not <laughs> cool enough to stay on the air. Clearly. <laughs> okay, so uh, Jim, back up to you, I believe. Ooh, um, dun, dun, dun. yeah, I'm sort of my brain's bouncing all over the place with options, options, options. Trying to decide who would be a good fit for some of these different roles. And I thought I had it figured out and now I'm like doubting myself. Um, huh. Interesting, interesting. Don't me bring, me bring out a, an egg timer here. Yeah, I know, right? Okay, I will take, um, for our flyer teleporter, I will take magic. I knew it. Ah, I knew it. Great so character. upset. Great character. God. Jim. Ah. Super solid. So, After we... I can't wait to see what she's like in the new mutants movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's really cool. Um, and, uh, so magic in the comics, she's the younger sister of Colossus, but she has, um, the ability to teleport and she has a bunch of magical abilities that she gains from her time when she was in a place called limbo. She's got basically late magical abilities that have been, um, strengthened a great deal. And she's got this cool sword, called the soul sword and all sorts of funky stuff. So yeah, she's a favorite character. I love magic characters in general, like just magical characters and we don't have one yet on the team. So I wanted to have a supernatural kind of magical character. Plus she fulfills that teleportation role and she's a great fit all the way around. So that's why she's my pick. Good pick. I like it. Uh, Jesse, you got two. Yeah, and Jim, uh, I was going to start with magic, but that's off the table now. Uh, so I'll just E flip something over here. Gosh mm -hmm. darn it. I'll, I'll vamp for you a little bit. No, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, I'm going to start. I'm going to fill in my MCU cameo and get it out of the way. Um, I'm going to put Captain Marvel in there. Nice. Oh. That was a, that's a good, good cock block on mine. Good job. <laughs> good. All right. Good, a little bit of revenge vote there brilliant, for you. Um, listen, the MCU did a lot right. I mean, like, it's really good, but I really felt like they dropped the ball on Captain Marvel. 
Mm-hmm. I thought timing her origin story movie like in the middle of Infinity War was incredibly poor, especially because they had some opportunities to do some cool tie-in things that they just completely ignored. Um, I didn't like how her her origins were portrayed. I didn't like how her powers were portrayed in the movie. I just I don't think she was served well. I think there's a lot more to do with that with that character. So why are you picking her for your cameo? <laughs> I'm sort of kidding, you're like, like this character be isn't really done well, and I'm not into her well, at all. But I'm going to have her show well, up because, in my film. Well, I think it's pure revenge. Oh, no, I'm going to have. I'm going to have. I'm going to try to redeem this character. One of the things that happens in the to cameo is yeah. <laughs> One of the things that happens with characters in comic books is they make them too strong, right? They make Superman, and then it's, well, how do you make a situation that's going to be interesting for Superman? Like, it, it, like what's it going to be? Lex Luthor is going to throw him into the sun. What if he broke someone's neck? That's really into the sun. Yeah. yeah. So what I'm going to do is, inst- like, Captain Marvel apparently has an Infinity Stone power, right? So, like, there's not a lot that's going to stop her. What's going to stop her is the weird kind of ethical questions that come up when you're dealing with X-Men stories. Um, I'm going to have a team of young, undisciplined, super-powered characters in a world in the MCU where they have, like, you know, the Sokovia Accords are basically the MCU version of the Mutant Registration Act. And these are going to be undisciplined people operating outside of that. And I think Captain Marvel is going to be the one who gets sort of tied up in what happens to these characters. And she, because she's portrayed as sort of a punch first, figure out things after. Like, like I can see her showing up and very quickly devolving into a brawl between her and Colossus. But she's going to discover that these aren't necessarily bad guys and things aren't necessarily black and white. And I think that's going to give her character a lot more of an opportunity to grow. And admittedly, I think that I'm expecting that Marvel wants to do a lot more with Brie Larson. They want to do more with that character. So this is tying into that. I think they would be happy to, to have that there and give it a chance to move. Nice. So that's so that's my cameo. That's that's how I want to tie in these characters into the MCU larger. Um, for my villain, um, I, mean, I thought I was safe with magic, but no, everything's crazy. So I'm going to get this out of the way just in case. Going off the off the beaten path a bit again. I'm going to take Cassandra Nova oh, as my man. villain. She's going to be oh, a yeah, good choice. Damn you, Cassandra Nova. the The short short version is she's basically Professor X's evil twin sister. And yeah, there's more to it. She's actually like a spirit being who like manifested in his mom's womb, and so it gets <laughs> really freaking weird. Like. <laughs> I don't know if any more comic-oriented folk want to comment on that, but that is a weird-ass origin story. <laughs> but Bing, but Bing, Morrison, that's all you need to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. But basically, it's it's almost a little cliche where recent stories where they've taken Professor X and they've said, you know what, maybe he's not such a great guy. Maybe he's kind of a dick. And I actually, I don't know if I like that very much, but I think there's going to be an opportunity to explore that by having a very similar power set, but in a bona fide villain. So I like it. So that's, great choice. So that, yeah, that's what I'm going to have there. Very back to Jim. Solid. Um, man, oh man. So yeah, Cassandra Nova is an inspired pick. Captain Marvel. Uh, I have to admit, you um, you kicked that out from under me pretty well. <laughs> well, you hurt me with magic, so we're, we're still on equal ground. I understand. It's all it's all very reasonable. Um, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. 
So I will take my MCU cameo, and I think I'm going to take Black Panther. So we're going to have this this thing mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, the mutants are are trying to fight for their freedom and all this kind of stuff. And then we have this amazing moment where Black Panther shows up and we realize, holy crap, he actually has a past that ties in with Storms. And the fan base goes all crazy. I think that will be really cool. And I don't have to explain who Black Panther is. That's ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) But I want some sort of humanoid cat. If someone is listening to this podcast and they're 50 minutes in and they don't know who Black Panther is, (laughs) then... I, I have nothing to give, so. All right, everyone's allowed to skip a description once. Jim's used his. <laughs> it's Black Panther. That's what's so crazy is we now live in a world where everyone knows who Black Panther is. That's awesome. That's true, eh? Right? Um, okay. I'm going to pick, as my brick, Marrow. Uh, uh, what? That's a good pick. Everyone is surprised by this. The, the funny little, like, side game that I'm playing with myself is when I hear everybody's reaction to any pick, I'm like, oh, that's somebody that that's, they could have waited till the end to pick because nobody wanted them. Um, so I'm picking Marrow. Uh, and I would say, so Marrow's powers are that she can grow bones sticking out of her body that are very angular and super dense, and sometimes when she wants, she can break them off and use them to kill you. Um, she is. Uh, kind of character you describe uh, them, and you're like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, she is one of the Morlocks, I believe, going way back, um, which was the group of mutants that hid in tunnels because they looked like deformed freaks. Hence her really crazy bone structure uh and then over time i guess like she grew up and and i think at one point she was a villain and then she sort of became a good guy is that does that sound right to everybody well yeah she was always when she was on the team she was always sort of antagonistic yeah to the point where i think storm stabbed her through the heart with one of her own bones but then it turns out that another part of her mutation is she has two hearts that's correct (laughs) I love it. That's some Doctor Who shit right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she she's kind of is an interesting pick because she was very controversial in her time in the X Men and has kind of disappeared in recent years. But what was the controversy? Was just because she's she was she didn't play nice and with the other characters and her power is really weird. And I don't think fans really embraced her. Right. And that, it also didn't help that she had, she, that at one point I, she was always kind of ugly and that was, that's unusual to have an ugly protagonist woman character in comic books. Everyone's gorgeous and beautiful. And even Marrow was only ugly by comic book standards, but she, <laughs> and I think there was like a cocoon thing and she came out and she was like super hot. Now it was just, there's been a lot of weird stuff with that character. Mm. Yeah. All of those reasons that you just cited to not like her do not land on me. <laughs> like those are stupid reasons. <laughs> I'm not saying that's why I dislike her. Right, I just right. think that, that my memory of the character at the time, or at least the, the feeling at the time was that she was pretty unpopular because of those reasons. Sorry. I'll, I'll stop. Nice. No, no, that, it's good to have that backstory. I didn't know all that stuff. I always thought she was badass. 
She was one I was considering for my wild card. Ah. Oh, it's not bad. Not bad. Okay. Um, you know, um, I, I originally had my antagonist slot uh, firmly slotted for Cassandra Nova, not you know thinking uh, other people would choose it. So I'm really kind of scrambling last minute to yeah. try to find a replacement, and I'm thinking the closest thing I can find at the moment might be Onslaught. And if I, if, it, if it was up to me, like I'd probably save this for like you know their big baddie, like at the end of like three movies. Um, yeah, he's the new Thanos. Like, yeah, pretty much. But um, you stole my thunder, uh, Jesse. So I'm gonna <laughs> go with Onslaught. Right? I'm gonna go with Onslaught, who is a uh, well over an, an Omega level powered mutant, and I believe the comic origin has him essentially as some sort of combination of. Professor X and Magneto's minds. Please correct me if I'm wrong. That's uh, right. Their yeah. consciousnesses. Um, <laughs> so, meaning, essentially, he is incredibly powerful. He looks like like a really buffed up Magneto uh, with the psionic powers and the telepathic powers of Professor X. And I really just need somebody who is out there, like with that connection to both of those guys, because I don't intend on, uh, you know, introducing either Professor X or Magneto in my first film. But as this somehow, you know, very powerful, uh, overpowered, really villain that these guys have to go and face in order to somehow lead towards the discovery or the rescue of Professor X and uh, uh, Magneto. You did it. That was great. I actually had a very similar idea with using him as my villain, and I was holding that, and I don't know why I didn't just grab it, but I totally had this idea of, well, if I don't have Professor X, I need Professor X as a villain, so I'm going to take mm-hmm. Onslaught, and then you you snapped him up. Good job. That's us. Well, thank you. Style. I mean, Cassandra Nova would have fit that role really yeah, well, too. Yeah, yeah. I'm not rudderless. Actually- I'm just, uh, yeah, now I'm just, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a question for you, Jim, because I think for the the rest of the drafters, we're all we were all in our probably early teens or mid teens when that happened, and I remember thinking that storyline was super cool. As as a a slightly senior member of the drafting board wow. here, what was your take on that storyline? Well, I have a I have a controversial thing I'm going to say here. So by the time <laughs> onslaught was happening, I wasn't reading. Um, uh, Marvel books. So what? Right you missed the whole that, pocket universe. I did. So I saw some of those issues because friends of mine had bought them and I thought that Joe Matarero's artwork looked really cool, but I was not actually following the books through the late 90s. Into and I didn't get back into superhero comics until, oh geez, like the Ultimate Universe stuff happened. So I left right around the Clone Saga starting because it was the Clone Saga. And and I didn't come back to Marvel until probably the Ultimate Universe. And then I started picking up other stuff right around the same time. So I didn't read, you know, Age of Apocalypse. I don't have a lot of nostalgia for it um, or give a damn about those characters. I was just sort of trying to position Onslaught as as the anti-Professor X that we would I'm, I'm telling you the story I'm not going to do now that essentially <laughs> because Professor X isn't around, he's gone missing. They go searching for him and he's gone mad and he's now become this villain that they have to stop. And so part of the future of the X-Men is basically getting that they've got to cut away the past 
and and do their own thing afterwards. Nice. Yeah. It was one of the challenges I had with this whole thing is like, you know, when you're coming out with the next film, and this is a problem Marvel's going to have, is making sure that you're not retreading too much on right. what came before. Right. And, all, and yet, like they, so much all of those, I mean, those characters are iconic, you know, mm-hmm. for good reason. And so you want to make use of characters that people know and love, but how do you both give us a new spin and not just retread? And that's, it is tough. They've got a really, really difficult sort of task ahead of them. Um, and, and let alone tying it into these bigger movements of the Marvel universe. So. Okay. So I got two here and, uh, I, I think they're well. The first one is going to be an obvious one. I'm going to take my base. I'm going to take the Xavier School since I'm setting up this whole school versus school thing. I feel like I gotta be safe and get that on my board right away. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's not going to make as much sense if it's like, you know, they're in the Australian outback and they're trying to convince her to go to school there. <laughs> right. Yeah, and and I think having you know one of some of these characters being torn between the two schools is going to be an interesting part of the story. And since I've already set up Scarlet Witch as my cameo, a character that is kind of tied to her, I'm going to take her as my flyer slash teleporter. I'm going to take Polaris. Oh, interesting. And yeah. So two of Magneto's children, question mark. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's going to be a running plot thread. So Polaris was introduced in the the really early days of the X-Men. She was one of the first characters beyond the original five to join the team. She has green hair for some reason and magnetic powers. And depending when you're reading... I don't know what the problem is. (laughs) (laughs) Depending when you're reading, she either is or is not Magneto's daughter. Uh, It changes like five years, depending on the writer. Uh, But she's, she's cool, and she's got this sort of... Her character arc through the comic books is as crazy as any of them, but she's never hit the same heights of popularity as some of them. So, you know, I think a lot of comic book fans are aware of the weird background of Psylocke that we talked about earlier. But Polaris at one point was taken over by this force called Malice and she was evil and then she was good and she's been crazy and she's been she's got this very fragile psyche because of all this stuff. And she'd be an interesting person to be on the team, maybe a more senior member. And then have Scarlet Witch show up and tease a potential future Magneto tie-in to the whole thing. That's my plan. Nice. nice. Anyone got any Polaris thoughts? <laughs> she was also a character on Fox's The Gifted. <laughs> <laughs> Important facts. Important to know. Strong implications about the fatherhood, too. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> Are you getting residuals for all these? <laughs> you, can, you can edit that part out, yeah. This is the most that people have talked about the gifted in years. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> okay, wait. We're, oh, I just want to say one last, before we go uh, to the next round here, but I think it's such a strong testament to the X-Men. Considering they're called the X-Men, the majority of characters on the board right now are women. Yes. Yeah, that, that yeah, was I also don't... part of my design, by the way, was... Uh, having a, a team that was almost entirely women because I feel like the MCU has not been, they have not put those characters in the forefront enough. And the X-Men have a disproportionate number of Marvel's strong female characters. And they they are just ready for prime time in, in so many ways. I, I didn't have a plan. And yet I've ended up with, with one man and four women on my board. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, because they're awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. truly. Back to you, Wade. Well, I have a question. For henchmen, are we, like, essentially picking, like, the second baddie, like, second yeah. level boss? Okay, interesting. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think now if I should pick my base first or my henchmen first. And mm. trying to think how you guys are going to think strategically. Um, I'm going to pick my base first. I'm going to pick the Living Island of Krakoa. Nice. as my base and uh reason for that being i mean i think at this point i sort of have like a you know an idea of the type of story i want to tell for a first uh, uh uh movie and uh you know one of the to me like the x-men really begin with like the all new all different era and that began with you know uh, the story of krakoa and then the team of storm uh wolverine and you know really you're like I would say at this point, like some of your Colossus, Nightcrawler, like the, to me, like the, 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 the best team of like the X-Men really forming together and coming to rescue the original team. And I think I want to introduce the, a similar story here where we can have, you know, certainly I don't have every single popular X-Men on my team, but having a bunch of them go to the island of Krakoa with the intention of rescuing the other X-Men that are no, not yet, um, you know, have, have yet to debut in the MCU. I think would be a great way to sort of delay their arrival and you know not just the, also just like a living land is like i think pretty cool to try to depict on tv so mm-hmm. or movies i mean so i'll be going with that good stuff nice. yeah and what they've done with the that in the comics the present day comics is really cool it's wild so stuff good. yeah it's totally cool. yeah well update me like last i saw he was it was like a, a part of the the wolverine school and Oh, yeah. now, now, now it's even more extensive. Like Krakoa is essentially the mutant nation, and they're using it as a home base and a hub for everything that they do. Wow! Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's the like you should read the House of X and Dawn of X because it is it's an intense read and it is uh, very detailed. Very detailed. It's <laughs> wild stuff. Yeah. That, yeah. Okay. Okay, Alejandro. Right on. Um, so, since bases are going, I'm going to pick my base. I'm going to pick Asteroid M. Nice. nice. Uh, right, asteroid no, M is, uh, as the name suggests, an asteroid. It's kind of one of those <laughs> geosynchronous bases uh, orbiting Earth. Um, I guess it's like classically Magneto's space base. Um, and my understanding is that, like, in some storylines, it's crashed onto Earth and it's become another base of some sort. Uh, but this is an asteroid and it's probably not owned by Magneto anymore. It's also a good way to explain why we haven't seen the X-Men in the, the MCU. Right. Because they've been trapped in space. They've been just whirling yeah. around the Earth. <laughs> good stuff. Playing cards, you know. Um, all right. Okay. I'm well. Bases are flying. I've got Jean Grey. I better take the Jean Grey school. Otherwise, <laughs> nice. <cool>. Yeah. <laughs> so in my storyline, Professor X may have founded the school, but he's gone. Um, and whether or not he's dead or not is still question mark. But um, the school is now under uh, sort of. Jean might be the the person who the school is named after, but Storm is the person leading the team. Jean, I see now as being like the headmistress sort of looking after the students. So she's going to be there trying to take care of the kids and, and very much like a school. And then Storm is the one dealing with the actual X-Men team going out to kick ass. So 
I like it. I like it. That's great. Okay, Jesse, you got two. Yeah, and I've I got an idea of what I want to do, and I'm trying to figure out which ones are you guys most likely to take away from me. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's, okay. Um, I think this is a safe one, but I'm going to take it for now just in case, because I want it. I'm going to take Beast as my brain. Oh, good one. It's a good pick. Yeah. It's, I mean, Beast is is such a traditional X-Men character. Like, both in that he goes back pretty early. Well, he's um, one of the originals. Yeah, but yeah. also, well, he wasn't, Was uh, correct me if I'm wrong, was he, he wasn't blue originally? No, no, he wasn't that, blue and fuzzy. He was just, uh, had yeah, the, hands and feet and, and stuff, yeah. Yeah, he could, he could stick to walls and stuff because he was beastly, I guess. It didn't seem very well defined. <laughs> Uh, but no, the, inter- the 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 contradiction. Like he looks like a monster, but actually he's Kelsey Grammer. Like that's <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's one of the most traditional X Men dichotomies mm-hmm. that's there. And I want I want him on my team for that. And also with his traditional ties to classic X Men teams is going to come in handy uh, for the story I want to tell. But he's going to be there, Hank McCoy. Um. It will probably be... I think he is blue and fuzzy, but I think in terms of the character, he's going to be closer to the first class uh, beast rather than the classic X-Men trilogy beast. Uh, if you refer to the movies, anyway. Like, I think he's still a little bit younger, like, a little bit less sure of himself, but still a super genius. He's going to be the one analyzing people's blood and talking about, like, explaining the X-Gene to the audience and stuff. Nice. I always like the depiction of him in the the old '90s animated series, where he was the smart guy, but he was also just always so calm and and pithy, and just a great calm center in the storm that was always going around him. Yeah, one of the early arcs in that cartoon is he's in he's in jail for some reason, like like, like not for a good reason, like he's in prison properly, but he refuses to escape because he believes in law and justice, and he wants yeah. to speak at his trial and stuff. Yeah, Magneto break him out and turn him and and uh beast refuses to go with him it's great good stuff yeah so i'm gonna take that uh, and then then what i'm doing i think i'm gonna fill in my telepath slot and i'm gonna take mirage um mirage young native american woman um she so she's got you know, telepath stuff, but her big deal is creating illusions. Mm-hmm. Um, hence the name Mirage. And the key, I think, like they they develop, like they rely less on this later on in her character. But early on, it is she she has to pull them from the mind of the target. So like you know, she's going to make a mirage of your greatest fear, and that's that sort of ties into the thing I'm trying to do with some of my other characters' powers, where it's like the success of the power and how well it's being used is also tied to your like emotional state kind of and sort of so the success of the power effectiveness is tied to the success of your character arc uh, it's a, it's a lot more obvious with Shatterstar but it, it still has right. that theme in there like you know they like, when the team's arguing and she's going to create something out of Colossus's brain i mean it would have been based on magic if i could have gotten her yeah. uh, but <laughs> but like she could go to Colossus and create something out of his brain to scare mm-hmm. him or whatever it is like that's going to be another cool way to explore that relationship 
So that's a good fit for the team I'm trying to build. That is. She also had a great arc in the comics where in the early New Mutants issues, she was really timid and, and unsure of herself and afraid of her powers. And by the end, she was a Valkyrie and she was uh, the leader, co-leader of the team. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, Man, that would have been... Yeah, if I if I hadn't gotten Captain Marvel, Valkyrie would have been my next choice for oh, MCU cameo, and that would have Captain been Captain Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jim. <laughs> Are we doing any trading? Is that it? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's, fine. it's fine. After the podcast, that's right. Yeah, there you go. Okay, <laughs> Jim, you're up. Um, all right, I'm gonna take. So I've got a weird one here. I'm going to take henchmen. Um, or am I? Oh, thanks, thanks, thanks. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to take henchmen. I'm going to take um, the Marauders. Nice. Ah. So the Marauders are in, in this MCU incarnation are going to be this series of <clears throat> maybe they're mutants, maybe they're not. We don't know. But they're these powered villains who are hunting down mutants. They're hunting down students. They're hunting down people all over the world and trying to kill them for, well, I guess it depends on if I get my antagonist or not. <laughs> so, we'll see. But, uh, but yeah, the Marauders are going to be these really cool because it's like a villain team and they're filled with these really powerful antagonists. So instead of just having, you know, the typical kind of problem with a lot of these movies where you have either faceless henchmen or just endless soldiers or robots or whatever, um, they're going to be very specific personality kind of driven villains that have got distinct powers that can kick the crap out of, you know, our, our X-Men. So it's going to, I think it's going to amp things up a lot more than just having kind of faceless hordes. Nice. Right on. I like that idea a lot. That's cool. Um, so yeah, so I kind of need to double check something with you guys before I make my next pick. Um, and the person, the person I am pretty sure, I'm 90% certain I'm going to pick next is Zorn. Um, <laughs> Zorn. But my, my question is, holy crap, I have a vague memory that he's Magneto, but then he also totally... he's not Magneto? Yeah. Can someone explain that to me? Well, he was, he's both. So, uh, yeah, I, he was Magneto. Obviously. <laughs> so he was a mutant character that was introduced and... He was supposed to be this, like, you know, Zen kind of of uh, yeah. with all this hidden power, but he has a mask on, and no one knows what he looks like. And he's in the comics for quite a while, if I recall. And then it's revealed, but um, bump. The big secret is no, that's actually Magneto in disguise, who everyone thought was dead. Um, Classic. And so you're like, oh, that's cool. You know, it was always Magneto, and then something happened where they were like, actually, he was a cool character. We kind of still want him around. So then they said, no, Magneto replaced the real Zorn for a while. And the real Zorn was off doing something else or was hidden away or whatever. He was like Zorn with a Z instead of an X. Oh. Really? I think so. No, I think they were both called Zorn, like spelled the same way. Do they not know but, their own brand? But, but regardless, they then introduced the actual killer. Twin brother named... He's got a twin brother with a, whose name is Zorn with a Z. Good lord. Oh. All right. Yes. I'm thrilled to be wrong. What a <laughs> terrible. All right. So, 
great. This is like a okay. fever dream for me. This is wild. So, so that's that's perfect. I just wanted to confirm that I wasn't secretly, accidentally picking Magneto. I do want to pick that almost Zen Buddhist type of dude whose head is actually a star. Well, Magneto's uh, still on the table, so you could take him for an antagonist and then have it be revealed if you wanted. And then when they face each other, they're like, but you're me. And then right. they both <laughs> annihilate each other. Yeah. I'm thinking a Spider-Man about meme with the pointing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I am going to pick Zorn. Uh, I think he's my wild card, um, but I may move him to Brain later, depending on who else I get. I, uh, okay. <laughs> All right, I'll allow it. I'll, I don't know if we typically we would let you shift people around afterwards, but I'll allow it. Okay, okay. I'm going to generate DM. <laughs> thank you, thank you. But you have to promise me that when you do it, you have to. Whenever he introduces himself, they, everyone has to be like, "Is it Zorn with an X or a Z?" <laughs> and it's going to be I an American, so, the, so they say with a Z. Right, right. <laughs> right. Unless it's Wolverine. Right. right. <laughs> He'll say with a Z, and everyone look at him like, "Man." <laughs> right. Okay, uh, way. I think it is you. Okay, uh, I think I'm going to pick my flyer teleporter right now, and I'm going to pick Sunfire. Um, and part of the reason is because I am doing the uh, Krakoa story, but another big part of the reason is because I just I want an Asian, I want an Asian dude on my on my team. And um, Sunfire, you know, he's always been somebody who hasn't necessarily like I guess in the um, normal canonical uh, uh, X Men, uh, I guess hasn't really had a huge role, uh, maybe until recent years, if I'm mistaken. But he still nonetheless stood out to me just based off of that like Krakoa comic because he was just such a dick. Only, only like being, it would be great as if he had his Age of Apocalypse outfit because well, that would be oh, cool. cool. Well, this is my second point. He is coming back in his Age of Apocalypse outfit. <laughs> just the outfit. Nice. Just the outfit. But I mean, I want to update this guy because his original outfit is terrible. Pretty bad. Um, yeah, so I'm going to bring him back. I, I just loved how antagonistic he was with the rest of the X-Men. Uh, so for people who don't know, he is, uh, I believe, Japanese american am i right or is he no, uh, strictly japanese okay well I, yeah i guess that would make sense and he's a so, big jerk which is great on the x-men you need those characters that are going to push other people yes and exactly in the same oh this will be great yeah so uh according to his wikipedia biography his mother suffered radiation poisoning due to exposure from the <laughs> atomic bomb dropped on hiroshima Jeez. so of course so you could uh, understand why he's really pissed off you know, um, so he has the same origin story as Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, pretty wow. much. Wow, uh, I guess so. I Except no like, response. well, if Godzilla was given mutant powers, which somehow this atomic bomb gave, this, well, they both shoot gentleman. beams, right? Yes. So his powers, I believe, are essentially that almost like of the Human Torch, um, allows him to fly, allows him to absorb solar power, shoot shoots it out, and. Uh, I think it'll make for some really... I mean, I'm not really just more so picking him for his fiery personality and less so much his powers, but he can fly. Yes, he he's really cool. And he shoots, like, blasts of fire. And it, it, it's cool. And he's very he's very passionate about being Japanese. I think at one point he led uh, a, a Japanese superhero team in the comics, too. It, it wasn't Big Hero 6, was it? He was in Big Hero 6. I don't know if he was the leader. Oh. I can't remember. But not the movie version. No, no, all the characters are quite different. Right. Okay. Just, just there's so many comic books. It's hard to keep them all straight in my head. I know. But what yeah, you mean. 
Okay, so I am going to take a pick here, just because anytime anyone's mentioned uh, henchmen, I've gotten really nervous. So I gotta just, for my own sanity, even though I don't think anyone's gonna take them, I gotta take the Hellions. They're yeah, yeah. They're... The school, the school pick is. I mean, that's smart. That's the story you're building. It's it's sharp. Well, thank you. So they're they're basically the White Queen's version of the X Men. They're they're a team of young mutants who are learning their powers, and they're also mostly jerks. Uh, <laughs> some of them end up switching sides later, but and then they all die, and White that really traumatizes White Queen in the the comics and, and changes her whole view on life. And and it's a real powerful tear jerking moment, which probably won't happen in this. And then for my <laughs> other pick, I'm going to go for my leader. And I gotta have Nightcrawler. Oh, yeah. So he in in Excalibur, he really took on a leadership role, a role that okay. All right. you'd think at first glance, based on the team, that it would be Captain Britain. But Captain Britain's a real like he was a very um, emotional, fiery personality. Emotional, yeah. And Nightcrawler was always sort of like, I don't know that that's a great idea. And eventually, it just became clear that he was the leader, and. He's going to really, I think he's an, a leader that we haven't seen on screen for the X-Men. A, a sort of lighter touch, a fun guy. I want, I definitely don't want to have any of the whole demonic origin that they retconned into him. He's just going to be, he's the perfect face for the X-Men because by all appearances, he's demonic and evil, but he's the sweetest guy. And I think he's a great, great ambassador for the whole, the whole analogy that the the x-men are supposed to be about tolerance and 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 not fearing people just because they're different also worth noting that if you had picked captain britain as your leader you'd have to film the whole movie in england or he'd lose his powers (laughs) right (laughs) so that's a consideration as well there you go (laughs) so just for some further background on him he can teleport he can stick to walls he can blend in with shadows he's got he's got a cool set of powers too so he's I'm very happy to have Nightcrawler on my team. All right, back up to you, Way. Okay, uh, well, I'm going to pick my henchman now, not not necessarily plural. Um, I suppose in my story, I suppose Krakoa can somehow, um, I don't know, be used as, as sort of a an antagonist as well. But okay, under Onslaught's, you know, guidance, I'm going to pick for my henchman, Phantom X. And I guess some, oh. some, may, some may recognize him more so maybe just as a good guy at this point, but... Um, I'm going to start him off as a, as a baddie, as a villain. And, uh, you know, to me, he really made an impression on me as part of the, uh, uh, uncanny X-Force run from Rick Remender. And I really see him as sort of like a modern day version of Gambit, you know, as in somebody who's just incredibly cool and mysterious and, uh, another Grant Morrison character with just really weird powers. So one of his powers, I guess he has a, he has an external nervous system, um, that, (laughs) Um, describing these powers just like i should just stop shouldn't i he turns it into a ship that he rides um (laughs) wait his his nervous system is the ship it's pretty much yeah um it's like a flying it's like a flying saucer that he rides um but i I, for me for me the the biggest most interesting power that he possesses that i think would work great on tv is his ability to misdirect and that's to you know essentially creating like these illusions that i mean work really well on a comic page i i would think that they would work really well in cinema too you know 
so he can essentially alter reality and kind of do like almost like a Doctor Strange or Scarlet Witch type of thing. So um, he really? kind of fills out. I think as a baddie, like that would be awesome. And I think the audience will grow to like him so much that he will essentially be turned into like a Boba Fett type that I'd probably, you know, do a turn for him in a future uh, edition. As well, in uh, in that particular comic book, there is a, a, a big romantic story between he and Psylocke, who's also a part of my film. So uh, that's why I've chosen him. Yeah, man. So many of those Graham Morrison characters, it's like you read them on the page and everything seems very straightforward and reasonable. It's a flying nervous system that looks like a UFO. And you know, talk about as soon as you start describing it, you're like, this is insane. It's yep. That's kind of one of Graham Morrison's superpowers, I think, is that he can make those absurd things so palatable. Absolutely. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Alejandro, you're up. I am up. Um, all right. I am a little bit drawing a blank right now. I think I'm going to pick Warlock. Mm, nice. Um, yeah, yeah. So War- Warlock is uh, like a, a technology being. I guess they call him techno-organic life. Um, and he is very uh i guess his powers are very like uh uh, technological but like he's able to infiltrate technology in a in a way uh that i guess it's not exactly like the phalanx but it's someone someone help me out here with explaining what i'm trying to say is is he a borg essentially like is he assimilating other technology i guess he's He's consuming it. I think he's more like the like a a, a board that has uh, a, what do you call it broken off from the collective, right? Like he has sort of a lot of he's those you. abilities, but he's not, you know, a super virus. Does that hmm. sound right to y'all? Sure. <laughs> and in the. <laughs> In the comics, he's he's also got this childlike persona about him, and he's a shapeshifter, and he was just always... He, when I was reading The New Mutants, he was always one of my favorites, in the same sort of way that Data was one of my favorites on Star Trek, just because I feel like I could relate to him as a kid trying to figure out the world, and he was a robot trying to figure out humanity, but he was always very sweet and, and uh, charming. Right. Unlike yourself. Exactly. Yeah. I was trying to learn. <laughs> so which uh, which slot is he going to fill for you? Uh, I'd put him in the kid slot. Okay. Good call. Hmm. Mr. Zub. All right. Well, I don't want to have my rogue plot completely uh, sidelined here. So uh, in my wildcard slot, I'm going to take Gambit. Ah beautiful yeah yeah so that way you get that the the some sexual tension there on the team i mean Good right now character too right now gambit is surrounded by women which is even more ridiculous on this particular <laughs> team <laughs> but but we'll be we'll be uh yeah yeah i think he's a good fit he's got cool powers they're very visual as much as they've tried to get a movie off the ground and stuff he's never really done any movie stuff so he had a guest spot in one of the Wolverines, right? I, I don't recall that. I just, okay. that didn't happen. <laughs> Not just like how Deadpool's first appearance was in Deadpool. Yeah, right? Understood. All right. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so what What are his... Give us a bit more oh, on Gamma. Well, what he are can charge up objects with uh, cool energy. 
and so he can throw stuff. He'll usually throw like playing cards that he's carrying around. He's all suave and badass. And um, uh, so, yeah, he charges up items with energy and then he throws them. And when they hit things, they explode, which I think you could do a lot with visually and make it really awesome looking and, and strange and cool. So. Yeah, and he's great. He's a real um, he's a real player. He's got a uh, past with the Marauders, which allows us then to tie that stuff in, where he kind of knows who they are, and he can warn the X Men like you can't beat them; they're way too dangerous. You got to get out of here. And they're like, "Well, how do you know?" Well, I used to be one of them. Oh, can we trust you? Right stuff. So, I think there's some good tension there that'll build off of the plot line that I'm putting together. Cool. Okay, Jesse, up to you. All right. Well, looking at how my antagonist is Cassandra Nova and like, you know, Professor Xavier through a mirror darkly, I'm going to fill in my henchman slot. I'm going to take the Goblin Queen, um, who is basically I'm skipping all the will she or won't she bullshit that's always associated with Jean Grey. And we're, we're going straight to Evil Phoenix, essentially, not Dark Phoenix itself because this isn't really Jean Grey this is Madeline Pryor who's a clone of Jean Grey except I think at one point Jean Grey was the clone it's very confusing but basically what I'm looking for is some of that like I just want to skip all that and just get to yeah this is a a, it won't show this up to the characters I guess but to the audience it's going to be yeah this is bad Professor X and bad Jean like, this is when everything has gone wrong. This is, like, the darkest timeline of these two characters. And Goblin Queen lets me get there without having to have all the baggage. I mean, and I, so I think in my story, like, I'll get more into it as when we get to the explaining what we're doing. But I think I'm going to skip most of the alternate timelines and married to Cyclops maybe sometimes. And just get right to the fact that, yeah, this is a... This is a crazy, powerful, super psychic, vaguely fire-themed lady. <laughs> um, she's good. It's she's going to be wearing more clothes than she usually does in the comic books because, again, it's 2020 and we got to catch some of this up. Still, could still be black, but you know, she could be wearing more than a like. I think most of the time, it's like if it's not the cat suit, it's just the bikini and the fur. Like we're we're gonna update that a little bit. Um, but I also kind of like that she's not going to be the big bad like the fact that she's just sort of this this canon that cassandra nova is pointing at places and saying go be crazy and villainous um i think is going to be is going to be fun now with her as the henchman i think it'd be really interesting to make my wild card as i'm going to take rachel summers who is (laughs) one of the many possible Back from the future, alternate timeline, evil twin descendants of of Cyclops and Jean Grey. Um, again, this is sort of a discount way of getting some Phoenix stuff into my movie, but I think this is going to be sort of a tradi- kind of a cable plot in the like I'm back from a future timeline or alternate timeline or like a world where everything has gone really, really, really bad, and I'm here to try and avert that but maybe not in the most uh, heroic fashion. And so having the Goblin Queen be associated with the bad guys uh, is going to give her some interesting motivations there. So, Cool. So mostly, mostly story reasons for having those characters there. 
Um, again, I think their powers are frankly a little bit boring. It's, it's psychic stuff and fire stuff sometimes. Um, that's that's basically it. Like the, the way like the MCU wrote off Scarlet Witch by saying, "Yeah, she's weird." It's kind of the same thing with both of these characters. Um, but but that'll do since they're not the focuses, right? Like henchmen and wild card, they're not going to. The camera isn't going to be on them that much. You're not going to have to think too much about it, right? Cool. Oh, Jay, Jim. Um, dun, dun, dun. so yeah, we're getting into the weird, the weird weeds now with all sorts of different kind of stuff going on. So I think I'm going to take, um, I've got an odd choice here as I'm trying to fill out this theme with these different roles and I'm trying to imagine them, you know, cause we're, we're getting into like, there's not a lot of brains kind of a tough one, weirdly enough. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm who's struggling with that for their, Yeah. Like who's known for their, I guess, intelligence versus right. actual power. Right. And really when you think about it, like, is it, is it intelligence or is it sort of exposition machine? Right. A lot of the brain <laughs> characters are sort of there to just sort of explain what's going on to the audience. True. So that's what I'm. Yeah, I'm still sort of thinking on trying to get a handle on. Um, I think I'm going to do a neat thing where I will take for my brain. I'm going to take multiple man, and basically, uh-huh. he's the brain. Is he's going to be working with himself? He's going to keep making doubles, and they're going to solve problems. So they're going to be relatively smart. But if all of them are like calculating stuff and working together on the same problem, he can multiply his brain power by having more and more of them in the room working with him on a problem, which I think would be visually fun and cool and gives you a bit of an army kind of thing that you can have happen when, when you know, stuff hits the fan and then he can basically turn into a whole bunch of himself and, and swarm some of the bad guys. Uh, I think that would be really cool. Yeah. In in one of the more recent X Factor titles, they did a really cool thing where he sent out a bunch of his duplicates into the world to learn specific things, and then when they came back, they would become part of him. So he was very intelligent, yeah, had all this oh, so life that's experience. Even better, yeah, that works really well. So yeah, multiple man's going to be my uh, going to be my brain on my team, and I think we can make that a really fun kind of thing. And he could be he could be a bit of a jokester. He could be a bit of a you know because different versions of himself. The actor you need to get would have to have quite a range. Because some of them could be very intellectual, very serious, and then other ones could be kind of taking the piss. I think it would be good. Hmm, I like it. Very cool. Alejandro. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I've been similarly racking my brain for a brain this whole time, too. I've been, like, frantically Googling a bunch of these names I don't recognize to be like, is this person smart? Is this person smart? Um, and I'm kind of like, I found somebody who's smart, but at the same time, I'm like, you know what? I think I am going to move Zorn over, assuming our overlord Graham approves of it. <laughs> um, <Thank you. laughs> is that cool? Like, I don't want to break any rules yeah, yeah. to anybody. <laughs> All right. Oh, that's fine. Okay, thank you. Uh, so then for my wild card, I'm just going to pick X-23. Ah! <laughs> Darn it! Uh, so X-23 is... Uh, a very Wolverine-like uh, fighting machine type of character. She's very young, um, but she is also a product of a weapons program, much like Wolverine was. I can't remember what the name of her weapons program was. 
Um, she's got healing factor. She's got two claws instead of three. And her third one, if I remember correctly, comes out of her heel. Um, and other than that, she's just an instant fan favorite because of her link to Wolverine. I don't really know much about her as a character. She's a clone of him or like half clone clone. of him. Clones. So many clones everywhere. (laughs) Love a clone. And she was Laura in the Logan movie yes. that they came out a couple of years ago. Yeah. But in that movie, she wasn't a clone, was she? She was a child. I think she was. Was she not? I think she was clones in Logan. Yeah, he, they make her from his, his, his DNA. So my understanding was that they basically, like, stole some genetic material, but that she was born out of a person, right? Like, so that she yeah. has, like, half of her mother's DNA. Yeah. Which is why yeah. she's uh, brown, right? All right, we're, we're going to end up like spending half an hour discussing the terminology. <laughs> of the but, uh, okay, yeah, but yeah, I think we get the idea of what you're shooting for. Cool. Nice. Okay, Way, what do you got? Okay, um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly trying to debate right now who to choose for a kid. Uh, there are a lot of options, but it's, it's more so, I think, uh, based on familiarity and really how well they fit in. Uh, with my cast and I've been trying to think for the past I would say 10 minutes but I've decided on Wolfsbane Uh, she is one of the new mutants and I think she would fit well with my team just as somebody who I think you know whose powers match very well those of Wolverine and I've always you know somewhat somewhat enjoyed uh, although at this point kind of cliche but you know nonetheless I did I have always enjoyed sort of like the relationship Wolverine has with like the 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 younger kind of like students of the of the xavier school and i feel like you can build a bit of that connection here between wolverine kind of being a mentor to wolfsbane and i've always um you know from what i've read of like that new mutants run she appears to be somebody who uh, is incredibly i think unsure of herself at the beginning and very much unsure of her powers and it really takes i think a, a great deal of i think I don't know, uh, confidence-boosting adventures in order to get her up into that main stage. And so I think to start our, her off there on, as a part of this team will be fun. Yeah, in the comics, she's she's very religious and, and th- thinks because of how she was raised that she's an abomination. Mm-hmm. She has all this like self-loathing and guilt associated with her powers. It's it's an interesting, again, an interesting analogy with the whole, the, everything that the X-Men are all about, about being different and outside the norm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I will. I again, I got to take the one that I was really worried other people were going to take. I'm going to go with Monet as my brain. She's really very arrogant. Yeah, she's and very arrogant. And we're going to steal her. I I don't know. I got real in my head about it. <laughs> we're we're also running low on brains, so <laughs> I I wanted to get her before someone else did. She's she's got sort of all the powers but they're all kind of low level she's got a bit of telepathy she's got a bit of flight she's got a bit of strength um again really complicated origin very stupid code name of just m um and but she's got a great personality where she she just doesn't take anyone she doesn't trust anyone she doesn't take anyone seriously she's very arrogant i think it's going to be an interesting feature to have as a as a character on this team cool and for my brick, I'm going to go with an old favorite of mine, also from the New Mutants. I'm going to go with Sunspot. Mm. And his 
he Roberto da Costa. He's he's got a rich family, so we can do stuff with that. Where maybe he's sort of funding the team on some level, but he's also he he draws his power from the sun, and he's very strong as long as he's got enough like sunlight on him. Eventually, he could also fly. But I don't know if I'm going to include that in in this story. He's he's also over the years become more and more important. At one point, he was like a leader in the Avengers recently. He's led multiple teams. He's, uh, he's a cool guy. Very, very, and, and a very interesting arc with his relationship with his family, with the relationship with his money and, and the team. He's also a bit of a fiery personality and will clash with other people, probably, especially Monet. There we go. That's my pick. Nice. Excellent. Uh, okay. Back to me. Um, I am going to fill my wild card role at this point, and I mean, there's still, you know, quite a few on this board that I guess can fulfill that role. Um, so I'm just really looking at who I'd like to round up my team with, and I think, I think I'm going to go with um, Iceman. I'm going to go with Iceman here, Bobby Drake, and uh, somebody who I think, you know, like they did a really good job with him. I thought, you know, in the original X Men movies. But um, it's been you know well over ten years that I think we can bring him back and maybe in a slightly different form. I've all, you know I feel like they've always could have done more presenting his powers in in a cinematic form. Uh, certainly in the comic books, like you know um, I guess in more recent years, like the story has always been you know this is a guy who could be an omega level mutant, but he never really taps into that potential. So um, you know he's got like almost multiple man powers at this point somebody who can like create ice versions of himself that he can control and walk around so i'd love to see that on film as well um i know recently like they made at least the teenage version of vice man uh come out and you know he is like i I remember this being like a bit of a story at the time where like wow like marvel i guess uh one of the original x-men is gay so i don't know if that's even like you know, uh, talking point about it anymore, but it certainly to me um, would be something interesting to do for this particular film because you know the X Men for such a long time have been such a a source of pride for really like any sort of um, uh, minority group. Uh, oh, me, great. Um, so I'm gonna pick for my henchman. I'm gonna pick the Phoenix. I see Dark Is Phoenix the- here, <laughs> but. I'm a little confused. Is are we saying Dark Phoenix has to be the Jean Grey Phoenix, or is there a separate, like just a Phoenix oh, entity? Lots of people had, it's lots your movie. Yeah. Great. Hey, you've got Stepford Cuckoos. They were the Phoenix briefly, right? That's true. Yeah. That's true. And I have something about that in mind. <laughs> so I'm going to pick a, a Phoenix, dark or otherwise. Okay. I think that works. Uh, Just as like the the MacGuffin of like the film, essentially. Aids of Grey Phoenix. Nice. <laughs> do you want to give uh, yeah Grey G R E Y Jean Grey? Haha. Uh, do you want to give us a little background on what the Phoenix is? Yeah, totally. So the Two Phoenix is. Is <laughs> for real. I mean, it was really one terrible movie, and they just decided to make it twice. <laughs> Um, so the Phoenix is an entity, like a space entity of extreme, uh, destructive power. And it's usually linked, it's got like also like extreme, like an extreme psychic force attached to it. And so because of that, it usually ends up inhabiting, uh, characters with psychic powers. The most famous one was when Jean Grey was inhabited by the Phoenix, um, and it started off as like a, like a, a supercharged 
type of thing for her where her powers got way more powerful. But at some point, I guess she became evil. Uh, the Phoenix Force took, like, sent her a little bit mad and she became a main villain for the team. Um, since then, there was a storyline uh, immediately after that where the Phoenix and Jean Grey had to leave planet Earth. Um, but since then, the Phoenix has repeatedly separated from Jean Grey and joined with other characters and separated and rejoined with Jean Grey and separated again. It's just sort of like this constant, should have been my wild card, wild card uh, of total destruction. Okay, I like it. Uh, Jim. All right, so we're down to the last sort of two. For my kid, I'm going to pick a choice that probably none of you even know, but it works with my story, so I'm going to take Gentle. So oh, yeah, no, I like that. You get that Wakandan tie-in. Exactly. So I've got the Wakandan tie-in with both Storm and Black Panther. So Gentle's going to be younger in this particular one. He's pretty young anyways, but in this case, he's going to be this mutant in Wakanda who's struggling to understand his powers and is kind of freaking out. And that's how we're going to end up bringing in. So in some ways, the, although it's an MCU cameo, in my movie, it's almost like if you looked at... at, at um, Civil War, Black Panther did not have a cameo. And in the same kind of way, he's not going to have a cameo here because he's going to end up in conflict with the X-Men. And then both the teams, essentially the Wakandans and the X-Men are going to have to team up against the Marauders um, once they realize that's the actual greater threat and that they're being sort of manipulated to fight each other kind of thing. And that gentle, so are- gentle sort of... of you know, safety has got to be the primary concern. We've got to, you know, defend the next generation of mutants. What's what's Gentle's power? So he again? Uh, essentially can abs- he he grows large, like he basically uh, kind of hulks out in a way. He uh, has vibranium kind of energy and all kinds of stuff like that. But he he that he resonates with, but he can turn into this hulking monstrosity. So he also sort of fulfills a secondary brick role. Uh, in a really cool way, but he is a generally he's a I hate to say he's a gentle character. He doesn't want to hurt people, but he is capable of you know fighting and defending and protecting people with his strength and size. Okay, great. So Jesse, let's move on to you and and bring us home. What are your last two picks? Yeah, so this is gonna wrap up my movie. Good heavens! All right, well for kid, I mean Way was absolutely correct in saying you're not gonna be able to reboot. You know, an X-Men movie without having some kind of Wolverine tie-in. And he took my X-23. Or, no, Alejandro did. Sorry. He sure did. Um, but was, but, but Wade made the point when he... So I refuse to acknowledge Honey Badger. I'm not going <laughs> to go there. So what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to take Dakin, or Dakin, or however it's pronounced, who is basically Wolverine's... Like no adamantium, more feral sun, um, which does sort of work with what I'm going for. It wouldn't have been my first choice, but the idea, like with a bunch of kids and powers they can't control, like Dakin is generally portrayed like as much as Wolverine is kind of a jerk. Dakin's an asshole, um, <laughs> which is basically he's Wolverine extreme. And I, I guess he has like he's also got this whole thing about like pheromone powers that I don't think are going to make it to the the cinematic version. Um, I think the original intent of that was like that he could control his own scent to hide from Wolverine, but it evolved into him like using his pheromones to mind control people. That got a little weird. I don't know if that we're going to go with that. 
But yeah, his role, so he'll be the kid, like he will be the the totally undisciplined, like got powers that he's not using responsibly character, like to, to bang off of Colossus, like who will be trying to make him do the right thing and will just not be able to reach these kids, you know? <laughs> so that's going to fill that. And then the last one for me to fill in uh, is a base, which admittedly hasn't been a big, a big part of the story that I'm building. Um, but I, these characters are definitely going to be underground, so I'm going to go with the Morlock Tunnels. Nice. Cool. It's going to be... I don't think the Morlocks in my movie are going to be too similar to the Morlocks as they're portrayed in uh, in the rest of the X-Men, but the idea of a group of people, of mutants with powers who can't be seen above ground will still work, and it'll suit for these folks, too. Like They're going to be living in fear, out of the public eye. And that's going to suit where I'm going for. So yeah, Morlock Tunnels and Base, and that, uh, that, uh, those are my choices. Very cool. All right, Jim, who is your antagonist? Okay, so here's the thing. The way I'm, I'm sort of revealing all my cards here for my film, but the, the Marauders really are the antagonist. They're going to be hunting people down for a shadowy figure, and we don't know who it is. And we're going to play through the entire film, and then at the very, very end, we're going to reveal that it is actually Magneto this MCU version of Magneto that we will not get a full um, story for until the next film. So he's not the villain in the sense that they're going to confront him. He's the sort of teaser for bigger things to come. Okay. Very cool. I am. I can't believe Magneto ended up being one of the last. Picks. I know. I was sort of shocked. Also, you didn't put Mister Sinister in any of the villain slots. I know. Sort of like what the hell? Because you got as soon as you you got daughters, I in there, and I'm like, are you kidding? You know. But anyway, sure. <sighs> Calling me out on the air. <laughs> okay, Alejandro, who is your MCU cameo? So my MCU cameo. Is going to be Rocket. Nice. Um, okay. So Rocket from the Guardians of the Galaxies movie. He is uh, he's in the comics called Rocket Raccoon, but they don't call him Rocket Raccoon in the movies because I guess he might not actually be a raccoon, or maybe he doesn't know he's a raccoon. I'm not really clear on why they do that. Um, but he is a raccoon who also has some technological implants. He can speak English. He's really good with technology. He owns a lot of guns. He builds more guns whenever you need him to. And he likes guns. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a space guy and you got Asteroid M. It yeah, makes it makes perfect And he's a space guy. Correct. I think that's the technical term. Very cool. Okay, Way, who is your MCO cameo? You know, I was really crossing my fingers and, and hoping that none of you guys were going to steal my thunder, thunder for this because um, I believe one of my first picks was Wolverine. And, of course, if I have Wolverine, the, the one scene I think everybody wants to see of a combination of an X-Man and a current Avenger is Wolverine taking on the Incredible Hulk. Nice. So that, that'll be Oh, it. of course. Perfect. Good. Big money scene for me. So, yes, that'll be my MCU cameo. And, you know, for our less geeky listeners, Wolverine first appeared in a Hulk comic, so it it goes right back to the beginning. Exactly. Okay, and then to to take us home with the last pick of the draft, I am going to take Firestar for my wild card. 
uh, and I'm not. I won't go into the details because it's uh, it's gonna. Uh, once I tell you the story of the movie, I'll make that clear. But her name is Angelica Jones. I believe the character was introduced on Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, a cartoon from the '80s, and then she was brought into the comic books as a, a mutant and. Spoilers for my movie, I guess. She, she, one of her first things, she appeared as a member of the Hellions with the White Queen. So, so it ties in pretty well with the, everything I've got going so far. Eventually, she joined the New Warriors. She became a good guy. She uh, was an Avenger. And in a more recent storyline, she was also a teacher at the Xavier School. So she's had a, a quite a life, our Firestar. Okay. So I think that's, that's the draft. We have one more step that we got to do. Uh, we're going to take a little break and and uh, formulate the full details of our of our movie, and then we'll be right back. Very cool. Okay, so. Let's let's get back into it. Um, we'll we'll go in the the draft order. Um, we'll have each of us reiterate who we drafted, and then give like a brief idea of of the what the plot of the movie will be and um, what uh, what the title of the movie is. Righto. Okay. Well, that uh, so I'm at the the top of the list, and uh, I God, you know, I'm actually really upset that I blew that natural twenty on this podcast. I mean, I'm going to need that <laughs> later, but. <laughs> But, but hey, it's okay. So, by team, uh, I picked Colossus as my leader. I have Mirage as my telepath. My teleporter is Shatterstar. My brick is Richter. Beast is my brains. Uh, Dakin's the kid. Rachel Summers is my wild card. Uh, Captain Marvel is going to show up as an MCU cameo. Cassandra Nova is my antagonist with the Goblin Queen as her henchman, henchperson. And the, it's, the base is going to be there in the Morlock tunnels. So this movie, I think, is just going to be X-Men. I think maybe Marvel's X-Men. Remember when Guardians of the Galaxy first came out and no one had ever heard of it? And they were very, very careful to be like, a Marvel Universe movie. Yeah. Guardians, of the, it's going to be that. Marvel's X-Men. So heads up, this ain't, this ain't, your, this ain't your daddy's Fox, X-Men. <laughs> um, this is going to be a movie, chronologically, I think we're... Yeah, chronologically, or at the next movie. This is after after the snap, after you know, after Mysterio. Um, I think in the timeline that I'm dealing with here, I think the reason why the X Men haven't been around is because there have been no mutants uh, up until the snap or the blink or whatever. I think after people came back from the blink, people have started to manifest these powers, and it's. I want to be really careful. I'm going to have a very very clear exposition scene with Beast where he's explaining that, no, 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 it's not that they got the powers from the snap, it's that something happened by being snapped and brought back that triggered this X-gene that's been lying dormant in people. I think it's important to make make it clear that this isn't like this isn't leftover infinity powers like, but this thing happened and now these mutants are showing up. That's really smart. And in this world... I mean, this this is a world like, like they never really resolved civil war, right? Like this is still a world where it's like if you have superpowers, you either work for the government or you go to ocean jail. 
and I think that that is still happening and it's sort of hitting these these newly developed mutants a little bit hard. So I think the movie opens with Colossus and maybe Mirage and maybe a couple of these other kids. And then he meets more over the course of time, basically hiding in the tunnels. Like, they don't want to join the army, but like they never asked for these powers, that sort of thing. But they start to hear about this mysterious group fighting for the rights of mutants, this mysterious group called the X-Men. And we're going to show the audience, you know, like these, these, these figures, like, you know, a silhouette of a woman with red hair and a bald figure. And we're going to do sort of a fake out. You're going to think, oh, that's Professor X, that's Gene. But then as Colossus sort of thinks like, okay, maybe here's a way I can protect these kids. Let me see if this X-Men thing is going to help. It's going to turn out to be Cassandra Nova and Goblin Queen, and it's not going to work out. And so there's going to be a dramatic, like, who can we trust? Where is it safe? And at the same time, they're all going to have their 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 personal issues. The relationship between Richter and Shatterstar is going to come up. Dakin's going to hate everybody. And I think the inciting incident is going to be Rachel Summers, my wild card, shows up and is like, hey, there's a horrible future coming because of you mutants, and I'm here to try and stop it, but I'm going to stop it by indiscriminately killing people. And Colossus is going to have to be the the conscience like the ethics version to overcome that so they're going to do that whole thing they're going to convince her to be a good guy they're going to you know at least drive off they're going to stop the goblin queen and at least drive off cassandra nova and then maybe in the marvel style like after credits i think beast is going to talk to colossus and colossus can be like boy that x-men thing was a whole load of crap huh and beast is going to say well actually it's possible i've been down here with you guys for more than one reason dun dun dramatic reverb and from there in the following movies is the universe that gets developed that's where we can start to see where that grows out from there so i think that's a really good hook i think it's a cool way to introduce these characters i think it adds a cool complication to the world that the mcu has built and i think that's where captain marvel comes in as my cameo like she's going to be that yeah no you join the army or you go to ocean jail that's that's how this works but then as she gets involved and you know, is fighting rachel summers and she's going to learn that maybe it's a little more complicated and she's going to sort of end up on captain america's side of the whole thing that's the movie i want to make nice uh, very nice very cool. Okay, Jim, wow us with your pitch. All right. So, um, in mine, I you know, it's funny because I had similar ideas when I've been thinking just on my own about how they will introduce mutants into the Marvel Universe, that it would be this post-snap kind of, oh, that has altered the genetic material of people, but I don't want to actually do that here because I don't want to copy Jesse's thing. So... <laughs> Uh, Sorry. No, no, it's totally, it's a great, great concept. Uh, so for mine, there have been, there are not a ton of mutants on the world. They've kept really clandestine and secret amongst themselves. Um, and there's going to be this sort of opening set up talking about Magneto and Professor Xavier, and that they were essentially two different sides of this conflict that were happening, that was happening kind of under the surface. There were murmurs about this stuff that these mutants were, you know, uh, battling against each other, but now they're gone. Xavier's gone, uh, has been gone for quite a while. Uh, Magneto's gone, and they it looks like in the opening kind of thing, they killed themselves or each other or whatever. Um, now it's the Jean Grey school. She was sort of the most prominent student from that school because Cyclops is in my, in my movie, so screw that guy. 
Um, <laughs> Ray is now running the school and and at trying to do outreach with a handful of students, you know, who are mutants. She's got a close knit group of of people. So I've got Storm as the actual leader of the whatever you want to call it, the away team, the the combat team. Jean Grey is the telepath in the the head of the school. We've got Magic as our teleporter. Rogue is our brick. Multiple Man is our brain. Gentle is uh, going to be the kid. And he is a kid in Wakanda whose powers start to emerge. Uh, Gambit is our wild card. Um, uh, Black Panther is our MCU cameo. But in this film, he's actually got a bigger than cameo role because Gentle's powers are quite potent and dangerous and um, it's going to put him in conflict, uh, Black Panther in conflict with the rest of the X-Men who want to basically separate him from Wakanda. At the same time, you have this powerful group of mutant hunters called the Marauders who are trying to slaughter mutants. And we don't know what their purpose is until, you know, big conflict. Gambit's got to basically decide if he's going to go back to them or not, or if he's going to stick with the X-Men uh, he sticks with the X-Men and with Rogue and all that kind of stuff. They defeat the Marauders and we reveal the big, big, big bad is going to be Magneto. What is his plan? Is he around? And oh my gosh, there's no Professor Xavier to save the day. Find out in the sequel. Uh, this one is called X-Men Emergence, which is uh, hmm. you know this idea of their emerging in the Marvel Universe and, and making themselves known. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Uh, so I'm next. Um, so, uh, my movie doesn't, isn't really about an X-Men team. Um, so for a title, I'm going to go with mutants. Um, the movie starts off and we're just with Jubilee. And I always loved Jubilee's like orphan backstory character, uh, backstory, character backstory. Uh, so I think that that's sort of how she starts off. She's kind of had a real rough go of things. She's still a kid, um, kiddish, and she is probably like living on the streets. She's got this like weird light show superpower that can't really do much right now. Um, but she basically like will do tricks for people to get enough money to get her next meal. Um, and that's when Arcade comes along and Arcade is this really smiley guy kind of gives you a weird feeling but he's offering her a job he wants to offer her the chance to do more than silly light shows he wants to offer her a chance to like really prove herself in the world what he's got going on is basically this big stage and he probably doesn't call it murder world but it is a big entertainment center combat thing. And the way he probably pitches it is kind of like American gladiators, but if they actually fought each other. And Jubilee is like, you know what? That sounds all right. So Jubilee goes up with him to the asteroid. Um, and they are, uh, while she's there, she meets a bunch of the other recruits who are basically going to be the stars of this high stakes wrestling show that uh, Arcade is putting on. They include the Stepford Cuckoos, and it's probably just a three-in-one. Um, there's Blink, there's Marrow, there's Warlock, and there's X-23. Um, so that's, I believe, eight bodies, um, but the three-in-one counts as one. So it's sort of six different fighters are in this arena. Uh, and it starts off, and they're all kind of like getting to know each other a little bit, and they're all training, and it's sort of like more classic Mortal World stuff of it's like, 
technology that's trying to kick their ass and they're learning to use their powers to fight and blow up these machines. And it all seems kind of fun until uh, Arcade is like, all right, now it's time for the real show. And they're like, we thought that blowing up all that shit was the real show. And then he's like, no, the real show is you guys are going to fight each other. And they're like, what the fuck? We're all friends with each other now. We're not going to fight each other. And he's like, yes, you are. And they're like, fuck you, no, we're leaving. And Blink's about to start a, te- like start a teleport to get them all out of there when Arcade reveals that he has the Phoenix powers right now. See, the red hair was you guys. Uh, oh. So Arcade's got these fucking Phoenix powers. It's way more powerful than all of them. And it's like, you either fight each other or you die. And so they're like, fuck, I guess we got to fight each other. And so there's a bunch of like cool battles of them, sort of 1v1s, of, and except for the 3-in-1, 3v1 uh, fights that happen. Uh, and honestly, even though they look cool and they're going to make great entertainment for the people who don't really, who, don't, who think this is kind of fake watching it down on Earth, it sucks. Like, it gets to a point where Jubilee, I think, has a moment where she's fighting X-23 and she's got her weird dinky light powers and she's worried, like, X-23's kind of gone into some berserk mode, and she's, like, ready to, she's, she might actually kill Jubilee, and Jubilee, in a moment of panic, like, amps up and basically electrocutes the shit out of X-23, using that, those claws to channel the electricity into her and, like, really fucks her up. She might be, like, holding on by a thread. If she didn't have her healing power, she would probably be dead right now. And Jubilee is like, this is fucked, guys. This is... We need to figure out a way to get out of here. And they're all like, yeah, but like Phoenix Arcade promised he was going to kill us and maybe everyone we've ever known. Uh, and Jubilee is like, I don't know anybody. And they're like, too bad, we do. Uh, and so they are basically Jubilee gets them to a place where like, we got to figure out a way to shut this whole place down. We got to find the power source for this asteroid and turn it off. And so they do a whole bunch of crazy antics. Everyone's kind of got their role in like this mini heist sequence uh, of, of distraction and of opening doors with war- Warlock's techno powers. Um, uh, and it gets to a point where Jubilee gets to what she believes is like the main power generator in the asteroid. And that's where she finds Zorn. And Zorn is basically sitting there powering the whole asteroid with his star head. Uh, and she's like, what the fuck are you doing, Zorn? Uh, and Zorn is like, yo, I'm basically super zen. Nothing matters. I figured why not do this? Because this doesn't matter either. And she's like, we're killing each other up there. And he's like, everyone dies eventually. And she's like, this is very not helpful. And she's like, I can't turn off Zorn. I can't fight Zorn. I can't convince Zorn to do anything. And so now they all need to regroup. And they uh, are like, the only way off of this is through arcade and so they're like we got to figure out a way to take the phoenix out of him and the stepford cuckoos are like we're kind of psychic we can probably do it we can be a big part of that and so now there's like this crazy big battle that's happening where it's this probably to arcade he's loving it because this is the television event of his dreams but like it's all six of them all eight of them versus arcade in this crazy big battle all in an attempt to take the phoenix out of him and they fuck it up and the stepfords get really fucked up but jubilee also has 
some psionic powers of her own. She's got like these like very simple like psychic shields. And we would have probably established that before. I'm putting a flashback in right now that explains that she's established this. <laughs> uh, and Jubilee is basically when Arcade is fucking up the Stepford Cuckoos, is able to use her powers to invite the Phoenix into her. And the Phoenix basically, kind of like Zorin, does whatever the fuck it wants. And it says, okay. And it basically goes into her and she's now like super God mode Jubilee Phoenix. And she's like, I'm gonna burn this whole asteroid to the ground. Uh, and she's like, you know, fucking up Arcade and she's ready to like crash this whole thing into the planet. She's like, no one's ever been there for me. Why does anything matter? Even stupid Starhead Zorn is like, nothing matters. Everyone dies eventually, might as well be now. And then of course she sees the friends of hers who she's made in this deathmatch stupid thing that she's been in. Not stupid, it's great, you love it. And she uh, is like, you're right. I can't kill all my friends now. I can't kill whoever's gonna be underneath this asteroid when I crashed into Earth. I need to get out of here. And she, in a classic Jean Grey move, phoenixes herself out of there and shoots across the galaxy. And she basically disappears. Uh, and that's basically the end of the movie. Now, my MCU cameo is going to be basically Jubilee, who, I don't know, maybe, like, she got a little bit more from Zor Zorn than being annoyed. She, like, picked up a little bit of Zen something, and she's, like, floating there in the void on fire as the Phoenix is meditating, and Rocket shows up and is like, uh, do you need some help? And that's the end. Dude. Holy shit, epic. You came up with that in, like, five minutes? <laughs> yeah, is that a writer thing? Like, Dude, you already right. have a draft? <laughs> I had, like, half an idea, and then as I started picking, like, characters, I had other ideas. The, 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 the discarded parts of the pitch that I'm going to tell you about right now and the reasons that I picked Blink is, like, Blink was going to be a part of, like, opening portals to, like, use the engines on the asteroid to start shooting the other direction to, like, force it out of orbit to fuck shit up. I discarded that plot point. Dude, I, I'm not sure which I'm more like just thrilled to see, like Phoenix Arcade or Phoenix Jubilee. Those are both <laughs> wild. And we're definitely going to need the explicit tag on this episode because I think that's more F-bombs than we've had on every other episode combined. Oh, for sure. Easily. <laughs> Easily. We're at 60-something episodes and that is the vast majority. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Go in and, and beep all of them, Graham. Yeah. No problem. Uh, I'll get right on that. I have nothing else to do. <laughs> um, okay, Way, what's what's your story? Yeah, I'll go next. I mean, a, a tough act to follow for sure, but um, I, I will do my best. So my story, really, um, it, it kind of has its start after the events of Winter Soldier and the disbandment of S.H.I.E.L.D. And in my world... Mutants have existed, you know, this entire time, but they've been in hiding. They've been in secret. They're not necessarily a publicly known thing yet. So it's something only known by a select wing of S.H.I.E.L.D. And in my uh, story, Scott Summers, Betsy Braddock, and Forge are former S.H.I.E.L.D. agents who, after the events of uh, uh, Winter Soldier, have been obviously very disillusioned with the team. They are not Hydra, and instead they decide to take their mutant division of S.H.I.E.L.D. that Nick Fury doesn't even know about. Uh, and they decide to have their own adventures and to protect the lives of mutants as they continue to dis discover mutants um, in the MCU. 
So they operate, you know, under very little, I think, uh, you know, public uh, knowledge whatsoever. Of course, until the events of the snap. So in the midst of the mission that these guys are all on, the snap occurs, and the only remaining members are Scott Summers, Betsy Braddock, and Forge. I mean, obviously there are probably could be other members, but uh, you know, after the events of Endgame, everything is undone. For the most part, everybody returns uh, into the world back in the same spots that where they were existed, and so. For some reason, many of the X, you know, in their mind, uh, this division of, of Shield, uh, the you know, or the former former division of Shield, return, except a very select group. A lot of people don't return, and that's now what this group is trying to figure out: what happened to these people who, after the snap was undone, did not come back. So this prompts the three of them to find a. A team, well, essentially, they gather a group of people who are also missing loved ones following the undoing of the snap and using Cerebro they find mutants that kind of fall into this category and they somehow find Sunfire Iceman Wolfsbane and Wolverine all from very different parts of, of the world to uh, join them in a, in a search in a rescue mission it brings them to the mysterious island of Krakoa where they each encounter a series of battles, including when Wolverine is, uh, uh, you know, uh, in in the midst of uh, breaking out, I guess, on a solo mission himself within this island, the appearance of the Incredible Hulk. And we get this big battle between Wolverine and Hulk, but we soon learn that it's all a series of illusions created by Phantom X, who happens to be somebody that is essentially safeguarding this island and also running experiments within this island under the instruction of his creator onslaught who has been secretly acquiring mutants to form his own nation uh that he's about to to create so it's a big battle of course uh they ultimately defeat phantom x and onslaught ultimately escapes well you know what i changed that they defeat onslaught as well but without um with a hint uh at the end of the film as to onslaught's origins which i guess will go on to be revealed later on Cool. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. And the name of the movie, I guess I'll just call it uh, X-Men Second Genesis. Just like the comic. Nice. nice. Cool. Okay, mine uh, is a, a bit more uh, sketchy than than the, the very detailed plots that you guys have put forward. But uh, it's going to be in tone closer to, to the Spider-Man movies where it's, it's they're aged down. It's all going to be sort of teenager, high school angst. And uh, the the stars of the movie are going to be Shadow Cat and Firestar, and they're going to have their mutant powers activated. They're maybe they're they're friends from school, or they they at least go to the same school. And then the White Queen and Professor Xavier show up to try and recruit them to their various schools, and they get to see this rivalry between them. Maybe we have a classic X Men baseball game between the the X Men characters. And the uh, Hellions, who are, are teen mutants from the from the White Queen's school, and they're not supposed to use powers, but the Hellions keep cheating and using powers, and a fight breaks out. And once it's calmed down, this is the, that's the most mutant power that's been used in one spot in forever. And Scarlet Witch goes to investigate it, and she learns more about mutants there. She meets Polaris, finds out that they might have a connection that'll be explored in later movies. Uh, and that there's just going to be a conflict between the Hellions and the 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 X Men characters that will culminate in the Hellions doing something truly evil and the X Men having to stop them. There could be a mind battle between the White Queen 
and Professor Xavier. I, I like having Nightcrawler there as the team leader to to really he'll scare Shadowcat and Firestar by his appearance, but I'll win them over at least win Shadowcat over. Uh, Sunspot and Monet are going to have an antagonistic relationship and personality, and that will show that the X-Men aren't just like pure goody-goody two-shoe characters compared to the Hellions. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the title of the movie, I'm not really happy with it, but I'm going with Making the Grade. Okay. Okay. All right, so there, there we go. That's my, uh, that's my pitch. Firestar is eventually going to join the Hellions. Shadowcat's going to join the X Men, and and the, their friendship will be torn asunder. That's good. Um, I like awesome core dynamic. Yeah. Good. Man, I would watch any one of those. That uh, I think we all came up with some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, thanks, guys. So that's it for the draft. Woo! It's all good, man. Everything's all ready to go. It's perfect. <laughs> yep. Yeah, someone get a hold of Fihe. Let's get yeah. these pitches in. <laughs> Fantastic. Right. Guys, thank you so much for coming to help with this. Um, I don't want to just sum it up as guys. Like each of you contributed so much. And also would love to hear what you're working on. You know, you got anything you want to pitch. Uh, let's go in the draft order. Jim Zub, comic book, author, illustrator, sometime philosopher. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, <laughs> All right. Th- uh, Thanks for joining us, my, and uh, what you got? Uh, so currently, I'm writing uh, the, a bunch of different comics. Uh, this summer, I've got Empire Avengers, tying into Marvel's big event, uh, Conan the Barbarian. I'm also doing um, the official Dungeons & Dragons comic series. Our latest miniseries is called Infernal Tides, and just announced and coming out this fall is the official crossover between uh, Stranger Things and Dungeons & Dragons. So we're going to be revealing how the kids from stranger things, how they met each other over D and D and how their games actually play out over the course of the season. It's a lot of fun and I'm really stoked for people to read it. Sounds awesome. Wow. And also, am I insane or did I read that there was like, there was something coming out for skull kickers related? Oh yeah. We've uh, announced we're in development on a skull kickers cartoon. And so I started working on uh, pre development for that because we don't have a release date. I haven't been, we announced that we've signed the deal, but I didn't want to like sell it too hard. Cause then it's like, when is it coming out? I don't know. So we're in pre development right now in story building design uh, concept, all sorts of stuff like that. It's uh, been a ton of fun getting to go back to those older comics and um, kind of uh, see what, you know, which parts we want to adapt directly and what other stuff we want to build out. And that's the the wonderful thing about having that hindsight is being able to see everything and, uh, and be able to build something really, really cool. So my, my original sort of, yeah, so we won't see it on the air tomorrow, but uh, if folks at home, like if you haven't checked it out yet, check out skull kickers. That is a riot. Yeah, Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you again for joining us, Jim. Uh, Alejandro Alcoba, award-winning writer. I don't. I don't think we mentioned. I wasn't sure if you wanted to plug it. Oh yeah. But, Sorry. Uh, it's just a funny thing because like it happened and it's cool, but like it seems like a little bit. I don't know. Self-congratulatory to talk about it. No, no. Hit it. Like hitch up your suspenders. What was this? Was um. What was it? Canadian best Canadian screenwriting. Best, you know better than me. Yeah, the award is called uh, the CSA. It's the Canadian Screen Awards. It used to be like the Genies. They renamed it a bunch of years ago. Um, uh, and I was I got an award for an episode of Degrassi that I wrote that is on Netflix, um, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's like an episode I'm I'm quite proud of because 
I wrote a lot of drafts of it. Um, <laughs> the, the other thing that's worth plugging, because like I'm working on a bunch of stuff, but it's not stuff that I can necessarily talk about yet, um, nor do we necessarily know when it's going to be released. But like the last big thing that I worked on that I, I think that everyone should watch, especially now considering what's going on in the news, is this YA uh, dystopia show called Utopia Falls. Uh, here in Canada, you can watch it on CBC Gem. And I kind of, the short pitch for it is that it's basically The Hunger Games meets hip hop. Uh, and I won't get <laughs> more detailed than that. Um, it was a ton of fun to work out and I was so happy with how it turned out. We've got Snoop Dogg doing the voice of a computer AI. Like it's awesome. Wow. What's it called? Utopia Falls. Oh, God. amazing. Uh, yeah, I kind of mentioned everything I was working on at the beginning of here, but like, um, you know, I, I very much uh, operate in the world of professional wrestling, which I guess is sort of like a superhero show in real life. Although I, I often wish it was like it had the depth of storytelling of like a comic books. Um, but, you know, for when it's good, uh, it's fun to talk about. But when it's bad, it's also fun to talk about. And so John and I have been doing that uh, a whole lot of that lately. And as I mentioned earlier, you can find all of our stuff at postwrestling.com. Postwrestling.com. All right. We'll, keep, we'll make sure we post a link as well. Sure. Links to all your guys' stuff if you want to send us anything to put up. But, yeah, thank you again. We owe you guys a huge bit. It was great to have you. Thanks for coming out. Also, while we're here, just want to make sure we extend our special thanks, as always, to Jamie Reum, our musician-in-chief, the guy behind our theme song. Uh, Reum is spelled R-E-A-U-M-E, and you can find him on YouTube at Jamie Reum Official and on Instagram at Jamie underscore Reum. He is also one of the brains behind TriviaSchmivia.com, uh, which is an online web sort of trivia event uh, that they're, they've put together. They do they have league play. They've got private events. They do some pretty cool stuff. Uh, check that out. Again, TriviaSchmivia.com. Uh, Schmivia, S-C-H-M-I-V-I-A, in case you didn't get the joke. Um, and if you reach out to them, let them know that Geek Top 5 sent you. They'll probably be sure to, to throw in a little bit of extra X-Men material uh, just to make sure they really hit the target audience. But it's a pretty cool thing he's got going on. In any case, that was our extensive Geek Top 5 effort this week. Uh, is there any characters on there that we forgot? Uh, is there any story details that don't make sense? Uh, is there anything you can't believe we didn't address? Um, we'd love to hear about it and love to hear what else, what other ideas you've got out there. And there's a whole bunch of different ways you can get a hold of us. We're on Gmail at geektop5 at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash geektop5. We are on Twitter at GeekTop5, and our homepage is GeekTop5.com. Send us your comments, your questions, and your reviews. You would be surprised how far those go. A whole bunch of 5.0s on iTunes would just... Listen, it's a dark time out there. You'd be, you'd be doing a great help for our spirits and the spirits of everyone who's listening. Um, we will return next week, but until then, I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And this has been Geek Top 5. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you again next week.